Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Well, it's Christmas time for the baby, and the snow is falling on the ground. Christmas, Christmas. Well, it's Christmas time for the baby, and the snow. Slay with reindeer, no sack on my back. You gonna see me coming in a big black Cadillac? The bell of lamentation tolled, marking the continued diminutions of the broken world. Sigmar paced. He did not need to hear the peal of the bell to know. He felt the world that was dying, felt the shutters all the way through his palace. Briefly, with the launch of his Stormcast Eternals, the broken world had not only stopped diminishing, but had regrown, swelling in size with each victory. Sigmar was proud of his armies, pleased with their initial campaigns, but he knew it was not enough. His was the weight of rule, and it was his place to inspire and remain infallible. But Sigmar knew well that the chaos powers had grown too strong. He had seen firsthand that their contaminations ran too deep. For every hard-won triumph of lightning and warhammer, a hundred more defeats followed elsewhere in the realms. His stormcasts and their allies were too few. The dark gods had their foot upon every throat of the mortal realms, and they had little reason to fear, yet. For all their battles, the Stormcast Eternals had but begun. They had lit the first spark. Sigmar gazed at the artificial ring around the broken world. There, all of his storm hosts mustered for battle. Assembling by phalanxes, they were moving into position. Down he would cast his armies, and they would besiege every Allgate. To cut off Archaon and the greatest influx of chaos into each realm, Sigmar would risk everything. Heavy was the crown of rule, and not even gods are free from foreboding. Sigmar ascended the highest stair, and in a voice that boomed like thunder, the god-king called for his lightning. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms, although today we're going to probably stay a little more focused. So, bringing you the Genesis Gate, the Mercurial Gate, and the Maw Gate. I'm Dave Whitek. That's right, folks. It's the, uh, it's the Christmas episode. Last episode of the year. And what better way than to wrap it all up. Wrap it all up with the final installment of the Realmgate Wars series, All Gates. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I want to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer really quick one more time this year. Then we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to come back with 
Lindsay, the Canadian albino hockey punk, and Alex Gonzalez, who has graciously agreed to help out here with me um, and cover this last book in true Garage Hammer fashion. So, really quick, I'd like to thank our sponsors one more time for being sponsors in this wonderful year of Sigmar. Uh, sponsors of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Mercia Miniatures, that's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures dot com. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. And Battle Foam, protecting your army. And of course, we can't forget the Patreon associate producers, James Mackey, Ryan Taylor, and Shirley Tempel. And uh, if you want to find out how you can become a show patron or maybe even a Patreon associate producer, uh, please visit patreon.com slash garage hammer. Um, other than that, uh, as always, feel free to send uh, send me an email at uh, garagehammerlive.com if you have anything you want to say about this episode or any others, or... You can always send me a voicemail at one seven five seven gh show 6 But I digress. I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Alex will be joining us. And we are jumping into all gates. And uh, I think you're going to like this one. I did. But what a surprise. I liked it. Um, and uh, we'll be, uh, after that, we'll talk a little bit about what's to come in the new year. So we will be right back. I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. BattleFoam, protecting your army. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Chaos Orc Superstore. 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 Chaos
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we're back. That's right, folks. We are here. And I'm back. And Alex Gonzalez is here with us now. Alex, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Dave. All right. So wrapping up 2016, quite a year. Yeah. And uh, finishing up with, with a heck of a story, too, here. All Gates. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, now, I got to say... Before we jump right into the book, I did like this book. Um, if anyone who hasn't listened to any of the umpteen other shows that that covered it, or if you haven't read it yourself, um, you know this is Sigmar going after uh, the All Gates, which basically there is one big realm gate known as the All Points, which leads to all the different realm realms, and so there is a there is an All Gate in every realm that leads to All Points. Which basically has been taken over. All points has been taken over by Archeon. And I think they call it the eight points, don't they? Well, he changed it to the eight points because, you know, there's eight realms and Archeon's taking it over and all that. But um, so the whole story is now he's got this and, um, you know, every one of these gates, you know, they were able to get through everywhere. Once Chaos took that over... Um, you know, they basically tried to build a fortification around it to sort of keep them out, and they couldn't. And so Chaos basically took all of these gates, and now they use that fortification to keep the good guys out so that they can just pour out of these gates into these realms at will. Um, so what was originally built up by, you know, the the good guys against Chaos to keep, you know, that them from pouring into their land has now become, you know, the bad guy's defensive bunker to stop anyone from keeping them from coming into the land. Ugh. So Sigmar is going to launch an attack on all eight of these gates at once. Mm-hmm. And basically, it, he, he, I think he, he knows he can't take all eight of them and then, because even if he takes all eight of them, it's not like he's going to bust in there and take down Archaeon. That's become Archeon's right. realm. He's basically turned the eight eight points into his sort of castle and his place. Um, but basically, the whole point is to take the gate and shut it down, to lock it and shut it down, so that chaos cannot easily pour into the realms anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what I liked about this book was, even though they're going after all eight gates, they're not telling all eight stories because, quite frankly, that would get so repetitive and kind of boring. I mean, they either get the gate or they don't. 
Yeah, and there's a certain point, like, they're actually looking at seven of them because the gate of Azir is shut. We already know that. Right, okay, so there's seven, um, right? Yeah. And then we don't, if, when we go through this, you don't ever hear about light or shadow because no one knows what's going on in those realms yet. Right, and so. I, I liked how they actually approached that because there becomes, they basically, they, they kind of actually do cover all seven gates, but three of the gates only get a page. Yeah. It's like, we're going to come back. And it's nice because they, they explain why they only get a page in a, in a way that's, that's, that, that works. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, good, it's a good enough explanation that you'll buy it for now, and, they, and it leaves it open for them to come back to that story later. Right. You know, which I'm like, okay, uh, this, this works. This isn't just cheese. Um, it's, it's enough there that it's like it's not a cop-out, it's not an excuse, and it's, there's obviously a storyline there that they're not ready to tell us yet. Mm-hmm. Which is nice too, because once again, you still don't you don't even want seven of these. Ba- you don't want to hear seven different major battles in one book. It you know, it would um, be a lot to ask. Yeah, because honestly, the four was getting to be a lot. When I got to the fourth, I'm like, there's another one. Okay, like yeah, and the fourth one it kind of compounds all of the other ones. Right. So when we get to it, you guys will understand why. But it's just it's a lot to try to digest, and yeah. They, I, I they kind of forgot about it almost. Parts to it, but yeah. So, but I do. Don't get me wrong, though. I'm not bagging on it. I like this book. It's just no. It was a great book. Yeah, the stories are good, and it really it takes you into a great. Uh, you know, it it it, it where they're going to go from here is interesting. There's a lot of little bits and stuff that they're laying down. Um, there's a whole bunch of silver tower stuff being laid down in here too, which I totally forgot about. Because this actually came out a while ago. Yeah. Um, all sorts of Silver Tower stuff that they're laying down, not just for the game, but that, that there's a storyline in there that they can just that, that they can mine for all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff as well. Um, but so um, let's take a quick look at it. You know, start of the book is opening just like the third book did. You get the the story so far, and you get. Really nice artwork with a really quick rehash and about four, you know, four quick pages of uh, this is everything that's been going on. Um, basically, it's the same. It's the first two books. It's the same recap as the last book, plus added on what happened in the last book. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the little space sphere timeline thing going on, and then uh, we jump to this this idea of. Sigmar's got to take the all points. Now, they explain the all gates and the all points. Archaon holds all points, and Sigmar's going to besiege all the all gates. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I love the beginning of this. Um, Nurgle's depressed. He's so... Oh, and- yeah, in, Gu- in Gyran. He's so close to owning Gyran, but he just can't get it. Like, he keeps coming close. He's just about to get it. And then he keeps getting robbed and uh and it's just it's got him depressed he, he's not his normal ebullient jubilant self um and this it just cracks me up in fact there's a part in here on page 23 where it literally says if not for all the followers oh here it goes when Nurgle's minions despoiled Alariel's hidden realm of Athelwild the play god drooled rivers of anticipation were it not for the Stormcast Eternals, interlopers from that dullard Sigmar, then the goddess would have been captured. Although Sigmar's a dullard, 
that it's just like <laughs> it's kind of funny though because if you read the story when you go back it was actually the stormcast that led them to Illyrial, so they never would have found her if yeah. not for them anyway so right well they because they, they weren't paying attention because they're a bunch of dullards clearly so <laughs> he gets in there and uh so nurgle tells the glotkin listen you got to block the Genesis gate. I can something's going on, and uh, if, if we lose the Genesis gate, we're going to lose the control we have over over Gyren. Um, and this is this is and a lot of this is sort of rehashing because a lot of the books overlap and they overlap nicely. I'll say this much: they overlap pretty nicely. Uh, the stuff that you got in the Stormcast Eternals book is overlapping in here. Um, you know, so this way, if you if you missed a book, you get the 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 quick recap. You know, Alariel's been reborn. Um, she calls the uh, the war moot. Uh, they they recap how she cuts off her right hand and and it gives birth to the Lady of Vines again. So the Lady of the Vines, who we all know from the other book, who basically, when she turned into a soul pod, the Lady of Vines carried her and took her and 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 buried her. And helped her be reborn, um, and they keep saying she was Alariel's right hand, and it's oh no, she's literally Alariel's right hand. Alariel mm-hmm. cuts off her right hand and grows her, and then her arm sort of grows back more like a plant um, after she grows her her uh, her literal right hand uh, uh, assistant. Isn't uh, that the left? No, I think she cuts off her right hand. I thought it was her right hand. Maybe it was her left. I don't know. Grown from the severed right hand of Valeria. Well, first line there. It's that right hand. Yeah, it's just weird because you see like the branch of dwindling or whatever it is on her left hand, and you think that that has to be the one she cut off. Oh. But it's weird. So uh, she summons everyone to this war mood, including the disbanded Sons of Durthu, which if you remember from the Sylvaneth book review, she disbanded the Sons of Durthu and made them all forget why they were disbanded and sent them away. Mm-hmm. So all those guys come back. Everything's going on. And uh, she even summons Sigmar. Like she wants she wants everything here because she's, she's ready to fight now. This is... This is Alarial, you know, salty and, and, and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the Stormcast Eternals arrive. Celestin Prime arrives. Um, and Now, I like this part, too. He shows up, and first she's like, you know, she calls him, and he shows up, and she wants Sigmar there, and he shows up instead, and he's kind of eyeballing her now that she's been reborn. And she's watching him, and she realizes he's not just sent there by Sigmar to help her. He's supposed to make sure that she has no taint of chaos. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't absolutely. Yeah, and she's she's not upset. She realizes that that's that's a legit concern. She doesn't blame him for checking, but she kind of like laughs to herself at the same time, like whatever. Um, and so they have to. They're going to take off now. Um, they're going to attack. Like I said, they're going after the Genesis Gate. Um, now it's. Among the pla- this place called the Shimmer Falls, and yeah, it's kind of the same thing. So, like the gate itself is the waterfall, right? Which that kind of imagery, if you think about, like a gate opening out of a waterfall, that's pretty cool imagery. It is, 
And now we saw something similar to this with these flying areas that they had to break into before, though. I think we actually saw it. Wasn't it the? Was it earlier in one of these books, or was it at um, the uh, end of the end times or something like that? There was stuff flying around, nurgly stuff flying around, wasn't there? Yeah, there was like flying islands when the Hallowed Knights were originally trying to find Alarial. Oh, that's um, right. That the. Lord Celestin knew how to activate them and moved around, even though he was just being a pawn for Nurgle. Um, but these are different. These are like gigantic jellyfish, almost. Well, they were. Like they the were originally island is inside of it. Well, originally they were floating islands, and that 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 jellyfish bubbly layer plus all the the the, the gross uh, slimy vines were an addition from Nurgle. Hmm. So now, now they look like jellyfish. The vines that hung over before, which were the natural, beautiful plant life, have gotten slimy and gross. And uh, to keep in all the beautiful, his beautiful poisons and noxious gases that will kill anything that's not Nurgle life, a membrane has grown around the floating island. So, yeah, the, the jellyfish look. Um, it's just yucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got these floating islands and above that you've got, uh, now this, the thing is there's several floating islands and they're not a hundred percent certain, you know, they got to find the right Island and then they've got to go through this place, which is all full of this poison gas, which makes it hard to see. And they've got to find the waterfall. And mm-hmm. so they've got, uh, the waterfall is uh, called the dripping fortress. And, uh, uh, okay, so the, wait, the fleshy domes on top of the toxic air, the river flowing is poisonous and diseased. So um, so the, pro- the, pro- the prosecutors all fly up to these things, and they have to figure out which of these land shoals, these big flighting, floating islands, has the Genesis Gate. So there's a, a hundred of these prosecutor hunt teams hit them with the Knights of Zero light leading the way, you know, because the light is helping cut through this Nurgle thunk and fog yeah part of the reason they can't do a direct assault right away not just because of they don't know which one it is but there's some sort of like the fug that awful smell that is like poison so they have to find the source of the smell and they know it's on one of these land shoals right so they get inside and they're flying around and and now this sort of protects them to some degree but the but Alarial's the 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 Sylvaneth can't this this will just this will they'll start to rot. Mm-hmm. But even the even the Stormcast like it's slowing them down. It's making them sick. Right after too much time in there, so they're flying around. They're trying to get to it. Now, basically, as they're going in, you know they've got the 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 Knights of Zeros' light holding the worst of it at bay. Um, without that, uh, without that searchlight, the the air would just totally get them. So they're they're running out of they're on a they're on a clock here, mm-hmm. and they have to find the source. Uh, Tornus, and we all remember Tornus. He was the one who was Torglug, who was the the the, the ancient you know the tree dude, the Sylvaneth who was corrupted and became a servant of Nurgle, and now that he's been redeemed and become a become a, a you know a prosecutor knight. Um, he really wants to prove himself. He wants to find. He's always the guy. Whenever there's Nurgle around, especially in the realm of Gyron, he's the guy who wants to find the problem and, and solve it. And he does find it. Uh, it's a great old one, 
Of course, it's always a great old one. And it's a great old one, and his name is Pustrol, the Pox Behemoth. Um, and apparently, he's just really, like, gassy and noxious. Yeah, it is his honor to pollute the air, which forms the first line of defense around the captured Genesis Gate. Mm. So that's his job, is just to pretty much stand there and stink. Yeah. And he's kind of hiding in the mud, and Tornus thinks he sees something, and he shoots an arrow at it, and then it roars, and it's like, oh, here it is. Yeah, he sees something kind of moving. Yep, got it. Um, And Tornus takes it on one-on-one and kills it, like pretty unceremoniously, too. This thing doesn't stand much of a chance. Tornus against Nurgle stuff is vicious and will not be slowed down or denied his his targets no um now the thing is pustrel the pox behemoth um much in keeping with the sound of his name uh you know t- you know tornus is shooting him with the arrows cuz that's what you do when you're flying around um uh, uh, pustrel explodes and he explodes and basically um, leaves a huge gas cloud behind. Um, so even as he explodes, and he won't be making any more gas, but the explosion actually concentrates the gas pretty harshly at first mm-hmm. um, because he's basically big and gassy. It's kind of gross. And, well, it's Nurgle. Oh, yeah. and uh, that's, that's his job to be gross, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like sort of sort of leads you up to this, you know, the, this little pause here in the story where you get you get a break. You know, it's like oh, I uh, we blew stuff up. Um, just yucky. Uh, you do get a time of war at this point for this. Uh, if you want to, um, realm. If you want to do a campaign, uh, they they take a break here and say if you want to run a campaign. Uh, for the for the realm gate wars, uh, which is mostly getting battle traits for your general and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. and things you can get. Um, as we get our first battle plan here, and we can come back to that type of stuff for the for the interesting ones. I know Alex, you kind of been looking at them. Um, I kind of want to continue on with the story though. Absolutely. Uh, um. So. Now, this is where we get to the Genesis Gate is a waterfall, as we said, and you have to pass through it to the Gnarl Way, which is a bridge leading to all points. Um, now, Archeon gave this to Nurgle to defend, which I just love the fact that you know Archeon took this, and now he's granting it to the Chaos Gods. Like, this is kind of how powerful he is. He's not a god himself, but he... His conquest and stuff he he manages to do so much stuff that i mean he takes the all points on his own and he's secured the all gates on his own um so at this point the, he he controls them all he knows nurgle really wants the realm of gyran so he gives him this gate to 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 defend um and he basically, what winds up happening is uh, Nurgle surrounds it with a ring of corruption. Um, and 
I love that each added improvements to the all gate, now known as the ring of corruption, for they surrounded the Genesis gate. Seven vast strongholds stood over the seven gates that led from the encircling walls. Each of these were different, strengthened by the powers of plague, dismay, or infection. The arcane bells that tolled mournfully over the wither hall drove mortals to madness, while the walls of the bastion of filth were not only thickest, but possessed regenerative magic that caused new layers to grow over the crustings of the old. The central keep, the dripping fortress, floated above the Genesis Gate itself. There the Glotkin ruled, for they had been placed in charge of the defense of the entire Allgate. That responsibility had become burdensome, for they too had inherited the disquiet that had so affected their, afflicted their patron. So while Nurgle was all sad and depressed, so were they, because they knew something was up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically seven, there's seven different fortresses sort of around this gate, all kept by a different, uh, you know, Nurgle Lord. So there you go. So there's a lot for them to kill as they go through this. And of course the Glatkin are feeling something's wrong. They're sort of, you know, they're feeling these, whatever Nurgle's feeling. And, um, so they basically uh, add to the defenses of all the towers, and then they call a war council with the commanders of all of them. Now, here's where the here's where the plot starts to thicken, basically, for these guys. Um, and I, I this is I do enjoy this, and I do, I love the Nurgle stuff. I do I like that they even started with this because I do love the Nurgle stories. Um, and Nurgle is the most likely to bring in the Skaven, which he does here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always good because you know when you bring in Skaven, there's going to be some twists and some turns because there's they they never do anything in a straight line. No, um, yeah. So you've got the Plague Pontifex uh, Stroglitch, which whatever his name is, it's fine. Um, and he's got a Vermin Lord Corruptor Sepskrik the Foul. Okay, so these guys are working with Nurgle, working in the land. They find out. Castle Flyblown, the sorcerer who runs Castle Flyblown, I should say, has perfected the Oozing Eye Incantation. Now, the Oozing Eye Incantation is one of the ingredients of one of the 13 great plagues, so they need this incantation because it's an ingredient for one of the 13 great plagues, and so, of course, it's one of the many, many things you've got to collect if you're going to have all the Pokemon. So... uh, so basically, if there's an attack against the All Gates, they're gonna in the during the confusion, their plan is to just attack him. Mm-hmm. If 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 Sigmar's people attack, and there's a lot of if 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 you know destruction and 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 chaos and stuff ensue during the confusion, their plan is to completely backstab their allies and run in and grab this guy. So they can get the secret of his, of his um, incantation. eye incantation. So I'm like, of course, that's what they're gonna do. That's what they always do. It's a definitive Skaven move to do something like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we've got the plan. You've got the Glotkin who are shoring up everything. They're gonna defend it. They're gonna hold it. You've got Alarial with the Stormcast, including the the Celestin Prime coming in and you got the Skaven who are backing up Nurgle but 
as soon as they find out that it's going to get hectic, they're going to take down one of these towers and take this Nurgle guy with them. Um, you know, who knows? Afterwards, they might stay and fight for a little bit. I mean, they might. They st- They sometimes do. But right now, the plan is we need this guy, and we're going to grab him, and that's going to be that. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. loving it. All right, you know what? Um, quick break time, because uh, it's that time. The bell is ringing. And uh, when we come back, we will pick it up from here, and we will wrap up uh, the adventures here in uh, wrap up the adventures here in in Gyran. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Good deal. Otto watched the spill from the polluted waterfall tumble from on high. Where that water flowed, corruption followed. It was a happy thought, and Otto found himself humming a cheerful tune of black melody. His brother Ethrak knelt upon the muddy bank, cupping swollen, sausage-like fingers to taste the infectious waters. The third sibling, the massive Gurk, was behind them, noisily consuming the creatures he had found and stomped to death in the swampy morass that bordered the river. When Gurk grunted and looked up from his feast, his siblings reacted with alarm. Typically, Gurk stopped eating only to acquire new food. Both Otto and Ethrek moved swiftly to their gargantuan brother's side to see the cause of such a disturbance. The vast swamp's lumpen top layer was shifting tidal waves congealing to form a huge, misshapen face. My glutkin, it said in a voice that rumbled through body and soul. Otto and Ethrak greeted the apparition together. Even Gurk gave a snuffling grunt, which could have been odd recognition or perhaps just a final slurp to consume the last string of glistening entrails that had been dangling off his lip. My prize has escaped me again, said the baritone swamp voice, sounding resigned and strangely tired. She will resurface soon in some new guise. I fear she will return to her alliances of old. No matter. So long as the waters of the Genesis Gate flow, all will still be ours. Safeguard it, my children. Safeguard it. With that, the face was gone. Okay, back with more from the realm of Gyran. And, uh,. Okay, so it's time to attack. And that's always good. It's always good when we actually get, get some battles going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Alariel, she's got all these war groves, and she's coming up the this one way through the cascading path uh, to the uh, uh, lines of Thardonia, whatever it's called. And um, this is the waterfall that fed the, the waterfall that used to feed Gyron is now called the Filth Fall. 
And the filth all runs into three rivers, the corruptus, the contagious, and the conceptic, which, you know, hey, if you can't figure out what those three do, you're not paying attention. Um, Correct. <laughs> now, Hilarial comes across, and she sees this, and she is livid. Mm-hmm. She is so angry. Like, they're all supposed to be going at a very specific pace. They're waiting for the... Uh, they're waiting for the prosecutors to sort of uh, bust into the place and break the bubble and, and clear out the gas so this so it's it's safe to attack. She sees what's happened to her realm while she was gone, and she's like, "Nah, forget that. I mean, I'm going in." And she just goes, just takes off, like leaves behind her everybody, her personal bodyguards trying to keep up, her army's trying to keep up. She just goes. Yeah, she loses it a little bit right here. Yeah, because at this point, and just I mean, just timeline wise, you know, they, they can only tell the story, you know, if, you know, page by page. You're turning the page. Um, Tornus has not dropped Pustril yet, so the nope. air the air is still super poisoned. Like none of that stuff that we told you about um, has happened yet. But she, you know, as, as she's coming, she sees this and just says, "Oh no, no, I'm not tolerating this," and just goes. Hmm. Um. So and and uh, and and they're getting pummeled until until Pustril falls. Because uh, right. it's it's hard. For, I mean, the Sylvaneth. I mean, they're plants and stuff like that. The the poisonous air is just killing off all of her stuff. Uh, of course, once the air clears, then the tide starts to turn. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I love the Celestin Prime. Once the air clears and the Celestin Prime shows up, okay. Celestin Prime shows what he's made of in this scene, by the way, because he's like everywhere. Yeah, he really flits around, smashing stuff, moving on to the next target, and just going. So he very much plays to what he's supposed to be, which is the guy that flies in, saves the day, turns things around, and goes on and does the next thing. So he's kind of like Superman, but... Well, he's like a little the, cooler because he's not Superman. Well, he's like, and it's it's much like the heroes in the Lord of the Rings movies, where, oh my goodness, look mm-hmm. over there, the the line is starting to give way. Rush, they all rush over there, smash, smash, smash. Okay, are you guys good? Yep. Okay, well then I don't need to be here. Boom, fly to the next thing that's weak. Boom, 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 and that's exactly what he's doing. And wow, I mean, it, it's he's great. Like <laughs> he is. I'm reading this, going, wow, he this is cool, like. He he can't be everywhere at once, but man, does he, he is he doesn't take any breather in between. Like you know, before you know, before he, okay, you got the big baddie right. He's smashing through the line. Celestin Prime shows up, puts Galmaraz upside his head. Before that guy's, you know, lifeless body has hit the ground, he's gone and halfway to the next thing. Like that's what he's doing. It's just it's it's really it made it made for fun reading. I liked that a lot. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we get to the Horn Spire, the biggest fortress. All right, and you got five war groves, three warrior chambers, and an extremist chamber, all charging this thing. That's a lot. That's a lot of bodies. It is a ton. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, you know, you picture that in game terms. Picture one of these fortresses that you could buy, the terrain fortresses setting it up. And then, I mean, we talked about those war groves when we covered the Sylvaneth book. I mean, that's, 
at least a hundred models, you know? <laughs> yeah, never and, mind, I mean, like, uh, warrior chambers plus an entire extremist chamber. Yeah, and you're talking five war groves, three warrior chambers. I mean, I'm just talking if you're going to shrink it down to playing on a game board, you're talking a fortress being attacked by, if you figure each chamber would be roughly, let's just say a hundred models, which is probably more. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, you know, cause in game term, I mean, in, in story terms, it's even more. It's you know, We're talking thousands that yeah. are attacking. In game terms, you figure, you know, you set up your, you set up your table with your hell fort or whatever it is. Your, you know, you got your fortress set up, and you know, I don't know, eight, nine hundred models coming at you. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Um. So and and they're just and they smash their way in, and uh, now the Glotkin are put a pulling. It's great. They're smashing their way in, and the Glotkin are pulling out all the reserves. Just get everything over there. Get everything over there. And they're like, don't worry about it. Now that they got this, and the Skaven will be there any second. (laughs) And then any second now. Yep, they should be here right about now. Yeah, they should be here. Where are they? And the Skaven aren't there. And we know why they're not there, but the Glotkin don't. And I'm like, womp, womp. Uh, let's see, what else is there? Uh, oh, so while this initial attack's going on, Alerial's been rushing up to this stuff. Um, they get up there, and they've signaled for the attack. Now, Alerial is with her sons of Durthu, her you know personal bodyguard stuff. Lady of the Vines is there. Several war growths. They're all being held back in reserve. You know, she's supposed to be leading... The battle, you know, she's the general. She's calling the shots, uh, but she's she just can't wait. Like she's too upset about what she sees. Um, she's not content to just call the shots. She wants to lead from the front. So it's a straight up, just rushes in, and she's heading toward the dripping fortress. And keep up. That's basically where she's at. You know, you want, you, you know, if you're, you come with me or don't, try and keep up. Do your best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they talk about, like, kind of a change from where it went from, like, gorilla, gorilla-like tactics to suddenly, nope. It's going to be one hard shot, straight up fight. Yeah. And even if you read, like, on page 65, um, it says, you know, she continued her advance toward the Genesis gate, Genesis gate, exuding so much power that new life bloomed furiously in her wake. There would be a reckoning. So oh, yeah. she's going right to Glockin, and at the same time, she's changing the land over as she goes in her wake. Yeah, I have the same. I had the same paragraph marked. Like she is just raging. That like her life magic is just pouring out of her. That every step she takes, she's transforming the land under her. Mm-hmm. Back to the way it should be. Like there's no, there's nothing she touches that isn't getting fixed. No, which is just fantastic. Um, so she's moving toward the dripping fortress, killing everything in the way. Um, and I love her, her wardroth, that giant beetle. Mm-hmm. Now he's got like solomorphe all on its underbelly, like the little, like basically. 
you know, seedlings and stuff like that mm-hmm. that are attached to his underbelly. So as he's running forward, okay, um, he's he's trampling the enemies that are trying to stand in front of her. He's huge, and he's just literally stepping on them and crushing them, and they're dying. Right. Right. It's like a charging elephant. You know, you, you're gonna if he steps on you, you're in trouble. So he's charging forward, stomping on things. But the, as his underbelly is rubbing up against the ground, up against all the, 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 the gunk and the gross, mm-hmm. it's pulling these solomorphi, all these little pods and seedlings off, and they are instantly sprouting and growing and changing the ground as well. So if she's not actually walking on the ground, if she's riding on him, he's mm-hmm. changing. And he's changing in a much wider range behind him than she is with her footsteps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's just completely doing this regrowth, rebirth part there. Um, and those soul pods that are, he's actually got some soul pods connected to him too, with all this little spite magic and stuff. And as soon as the soul pods hit the ground, her magic is so powerful. Normally we saw with her, you, you bury it and you've got to give it some time to grow. Like, the right. more magic you can give it, the, the quicker it grows, but it needs time. These soul pods are hitting the ground and growing instantly. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, they're hitting the ground, and new Sylvaneth are popping up and joining the ranks. So her army is dying in battle, and as they're moving forward, they're just replenished. Like, they're just boop, 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 popping up behind her. Mm-hmm. New ranks just forming. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, this is what a life army should, should be. be doing. Yeah, it's so cool. Like I really loved this part of the story. This is what I mean. It never translates quite that well under the tabletop, but story wise, you've got Alariel, the goddess, and she's ticked, and she's fuming, and she's walking forward, and every step, like where she steps, corruption goes away, life blooms, and with every plant that grows it just gets in line behind her mm-hmm. all these little baby groots you know <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were gonna go there i have to like i saw the preview like right before we started recording i saw the preview on the tv you know uh it just they're just all following right behind her and just going at it it's such a cool image like and I, you know, and I play. I, you know, how long have I did I play the VC army and the undead armies? I'm just growing the unnatural dead things. She's doing it in the in the exact opposite way, but the same thing. Mm-hmm. These natural life armies, just just everything popping up and and and, and coming at it. It's, it's I, I really, I, you know, in my mind's eye, you know, in 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 head theater, it's just so fantastic. This part of the story, I was just uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, now the Glotkin are seeing what's going on and they're like, oh, come on, give us a break. And they take off. They're like, we have to go. Like, they have to take the fight to Alariel. They're up there in the dripping fortress, but they have, they, they cannot wait for her to come to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they got to stop her because she is transforming the land. This is bad. Um, and this is when the castle, the the Skaven attack castle, fly blown, and they capture the sorcerer and take him to the Blight City. And they make it quick too. You don't need a whole battle explained here. Just understand, they ransacked the, the so they they actually took down this castle for their enemies mm-hmm. because they don't care because the right. Skaven are still the Skaven. Um, I. I 
You know, I, I loved... I, the one thing I liked about the Skaven was the ridiculous amount of intrigue. It's the only thing that kept them from completely taking over the old world. Mm-hmm. You know, was the fact that they kept backstabbing each other <laughs> when you when you found out how completely how completely they basically they had taken over the under part of the planet. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. these guys win basically. All they have to do is try, but they keep you know backstabbing each other. Um, that was always the interesting part of their storyline to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to have lessened now that they're the horned rat has ascended to godhood and they're like you know they're gnawing through reality instead of just under the ground um yeah so i, I it, it be, because it's lessened a bit i i love to see when they still do scaveny things when they're still turning on each other when they're still backstabbing that's always been the essence of what's been fun about the scaven to me Mm-hmm. Um, so when when they did this, and they did, they just busted in. They didn't care. Grabbed him. He's going to Blight City. They're going to learn his secrets. Um, and not only does he double cross the Glotkin, but then uh, Scroglitch, uh, Twistspin, grabs this guy. Uh, Verminlord uh, Sepskrik helps him escape, and he leaves all of his rivals behind, like all of the other rivals that are leading bar- parts of the army. Mm-hmm. Don't get through the portal to get to Blight City. He no. knocks the door behind himself with his prize and leaves them behind. So now the door closes and they turn around and here's the Stormcast coming at them. And they're like, uh-oh, we're going to have to fight them Stormcast things. And they turn around and look and there's all the Nurgle guys who they didn't kill yet. That they, you know, that they, but they busted through the castle and just stole their commander. And they're giving them a look too. So now they are caught between... Both of these guys, everybody wants to kill them Skaven. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just like, it was, it was, it was fun to get another story where I thought, okay, they grabbed him, they left, it's going to be over. Nope. One last bit of, of, uh, uh, playing a, playing a bit of, uh, of completely mess up your neighbor, um, by leaving all of his, uh, his rivals behind to get killed by, uh, by the people that, that he, that he, uh, that he uh, stabbed in the back. I just, I loved that part. So, I guess we'll move on there. I just, I, I wanted to stop and talk, because Skaven, in this, a lot of times, I mean, they're not as bad as Beastmen in this book, who have just basically no. become cannon fodder. But, yeah, and they've been that way for a little bit now, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to make fun of Beastmen. I, I would love to see a little, I'd love to see more from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now they just kind of get used as, you know, that as, as, as bodies to fight. Um, but the Skaven there, the intrigue and the interplay was so wonderfully Machiavellian, um, Mm -hmm. in the old world and it's not really that level anymore. So anytime you get to see it getting where there's the triple cross and the quadruple cross, I, 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 I have to take time to dwell on it. I can't help myself. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. No, no, and it's a big point in the story where you have now two armies that were defending the gates are now suddenly both gone and infighting or just completely removed from the field. So it's a big swing in the battle, and of course, that's part of like maybe what the Glocking got the premonition about, like there's something wrong. Right. So 
And without their leader, you know this isn't going to hold. So the Stormcast are going to break through. This is going to be one more weak link to get through and bust into finally get to the uh, the gate they're trying to get to. Now, Alerio's right. almost to the Dripping Fortress here when the Glotkin uh, are coming. Uh, Lord Ranslug, the leader of the Rust Legion. Um, em- now, th- this is cool. I have this all written down. Now, he, he has emptied all of his coffers to buy a poison from Festus. The leech, you know, and the leech he, lord, yeah. yeah. And Festus won it from Cairo's Fate Weaver in some game of poker, or something like that. How you beat that guy, I don't know, but <laughs> Festus is clearly that cool. Yeah, exactly. He won it from Kairos in some sort of a bet. How you beat exactly? Uh, so now he's got this poison, and he spent all of his cash on this poison, and he was told it would kill anything, including a god. So he's mm-hmm. got it all over his blade, and he's just waiting for her. He won't fight anybody because he doesn't want to waste the poison on his blade on anyone but her. And he's getting close, and he's sneaking up. And you're reading this, and it's like, okay, what's going to happen? And he's getting closer, and he's getting closer, and he's getting closer. And Tornus shows up and drops about four arrows into his face, and he drops dead. And you're like, whoop. Mwah. And I was like, well, at least Tornus showed up and kind of saved Alario from something that was really dangerous. You know, it's like, oh, that's good because he was sneaking up right behind her, like, like literally coming up behind her, about to stab her, and this poison would kill her. But then it cuts to Alario's point of view, and Alario knew he was there the whole time, and she didn't care. Like, and she literally says, she goes, "If this idiot thinks some silly poison was going to take me out, he was." St- Stupider than I thought he was. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care what Festus told him and what Cairo's Fate Weaver gave him. That poison wasn't actually going to kill me anyway. Right. Which was sort of weird and anticlimactic and strange because, like, he actually felt nervous. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen here? And all of a sudden, it's almost comes, like a proper threat again. Right. And then he comes in and saves her. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Good job. But then and it's not like she tells him. It's not like she looks at him mm-hmm. and was like, you know, you didn't really save me. Like, she's not being a jerk. But we yeah. just, but there's just this, when you get to her, it's like, no, you, no, I'm just that tough. Like, yeah, I appreciate that you saved, you stopped him from stabbing me. And I appreciate that everybody thinks that he had poison on there that could kill a god. He didn't. <laughs> like, I, not, at least not me. Not in, the, not, in my, not in my house. Not in the realm of life. You're not going to poison me. That's not how I'm going down. Right. Which was just kind of cool because that's that that wartime Alarial. She just like, I just picture like heat radiating off of her. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's just fiery. Um, so then she goes up against the Glotkin and, uh, you know, she's going over there and it's going to going to be a showdown. And they kill mm-hmm. the beetle. Yeah, Girk smashes it. And then she kills Girk. She shrivels Girk. She hits him with that uh, spear of the sword and just sucks out all of his life. And then uh, Alarial and Otto are going at it. She's fighting Otto. And she gets him down, and all of a sudden they're sort of distracted. And she's got Otto, and Otto thinks he's going to get him. She's got her her scythe like in, or in him, and she's sitting there looking at him. And all of a sudden, Wham! And there's Girk back, and Ethrak stands up, and he's like, oh, you think you're the only one who's got magic? I totally healed my brother while my other brother was 
was distracting you. Hits her so hard that she actually bleeds blood. One whole Nobody drop. makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody I makes think me bleed my own blood. See, Nobody. you do it much better than I do. <laughs> but that's what happens. Yes. She, one whole drop of blood in the corner of her mouth. Gurk, that monstrosity, hit her with everything he had upside the face. Drew a drop of blood in the corner of her mouth. And then she gets really angry. I'm picturing like the Bruce Lee thing. Like she puts her tongue there, tastes the drop of blood, kind of looks at him. The, the eyes get even, you know, even harder, spits that little blood out. The lips get narrow. She gives that Bruce Lee scream. Uh, and then she basically summons up vines and pushes them all up over the edge of the bank and basically pushes them right into the water. And they get washed off and washed away. And then she regrows her beetle and cleanses the filth and makes the river run pure again. And once the river runs pure again, that's the realm gate is under her control, and she locks it. Mm-hmm. Um, she can't use it anymore. And that's fine. Doesn't matter if it's locked. And apparently, it's locked the way Sigmar locks these gates, where you have to be un- trying to unlock them from both sides at the same. T- you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's, it seems really weird to say the gate's locked so nobody can get through, but apparently if you lock it right, nobody can get through. So there will be no more Nurgle just uh, coming in at will, just pouring his minions and his filth in here. Now that he's locked out, they've got to find other ways in, which means she can actually start to cleanse her lands and reclaim them. It's not, it's not easy. It's not a done deal. But she can start putting her lands back in order um i just this whole section like the thing that i was taken from this whole section was alarial at war is not somebody to mess with no not, not a at all bit she was vicious and brutal and i loved her i thought she was great yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, the thing that got me towards the end of this is what happens to Glotkin. Because it says that they just push him over the waterfall, but does that mean he goes through the gate? It says that he batters on the rocks below, or that they batter on the rocks below. But that does that really mean that they're dead? Did they go through the gate? Well, I mean, even like, if what? they're dead, they're 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 Nurgle's minions. Which mean, I mean, remember what happened last time they got killed? They wound up in jars in Nurgle's. Attic yeah. until he was ready to forgive them and let them out. Now, they're probably going to go back to Nurgle and they'll probably be punished for a while because Nurgle's not going to be happy. No. That they let the place go. But are they dead? Of course not. They're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Just like all good demons because of the fact that they're demons. They're just literally, I mean, they are now, once you become a demon, you're just a, a portion of the will of your god. So. He can just keep bringing you back. I don't think they're demons, but maybe he just saves them. Maybe that's what it is. But yeah, I mean, they're not demon princes or anything like that. But I mean, there's enough. There's enough of Nurgle in them at this point. I mean, you know, they're using magic through him. They're you know unnaturally powerful. I mean, they're you know. I mean, look at Gurk. I mean, he's got to mm-hmm. be ninety-five percent whatever because he's not you know not what he was anymore. That's all Nurgle in there. So, I mean, if you're that much of you as being infused with Nurgle's power, he's got to be able to keep bringing you back at the very least. 
yeah. something you do his realm, whatever it's going to do. Wherever they went, I'm certain they'll be back, just like any good villain. And they're one that they that they, they're they're too uh, they're too popular. You can't just kill them off. Yeah, they're a little too central to yeah. the story, but it's still one of those things. That it's like, okay, that was a hole for me. Let's try to figure out what exactly happened because they said, oh, oh you know, they yeah. killed him, but it the ending was kind of a cliffhanger for them to come back. So that's more what I was. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoving them off the edge like that. Yeah, it was a little anticlimactic considering. But then again, there was the three of them all attacking her, and one of them actually hit her hard enough to draw blood, which apparently was quite a feat, even though it was just a single drop. So her just shoving them away and saying, I'm not dealing with you right now, uh, Mm -hmm. works. And I guess falling, you know, off a waterfall or off a cliff or whatever would probably be harmful at best. Yeah, but they're kind of squishy. Yeah. So that's... uh, that's story number one of four. We get another mm-hmm. battle plan in there, and then, of course, we get the little uh, end story here. You know, she she gets on her beetle, and she goes out there uh, speaking words of power. She shines so bright that even the Celestin Prime couldn't look at her. That's saying something. Uh, Alario thrust her hand into the brown sludge. At once, a pulse went through the air through the water and through the ground as an influx of vitality surged across the lands. The waters flowed clean once more. With a straining effort, she closed the Genesis Gate, locking the path that led to the All Points. There were many wars still to fight, but at long last, the tide had changed in the War of Life. So when we come back, we're at the Mercurial Gate in the uh, Realm of Metal. This one's kind of crazy. The one in the Iron Holds, this one's a bizarre story. So I'm looking forward to this one, but uh, it is kind of a crazy one. So, mm-hmm. All righty. Okay, so uh, take a break. We'll be back in just a minute or two, folks. Thostus rose first. The Lord Celestin's Sigmarite armor had held against the wash of extreme heat as the isle was flooded, but it had been agonizing. Looking around the courtyard, he reckoned only half of his warrior chamber remained. Beside him, Herskar Grimnir emerged from Volkdar's protective coils. He looked in wonder upon his mount's scales, which still glowed from being splattered by the surging tide of the molten sea. Sparks flew from his black beard and crest. Grimnir's axe, he exclaimed, looking open-mouthed at the titanic duel in the heavens. That is Argentine, bane of my forefolk. Take the mercurial gate was the oath, and I thought it could be done, but nothing was said of god beasts. The fire slayers were not armored, and although they were accustomed to forge heat, the surge of boiling metals and... The silver rain that followed had proven too much. Perhaps only a hundred survived. From atop the ruins of a battered wall, Thostus gazed out. We go on, said the Lord Celestant. If all of us make for the Mercurial Gate, we can shut it forever. Dracothian will keep the silver worm at bay. If not, we'll die by warp fire. 
In the meantime, we have a task to complete. For a tense moment, immortal man and venerable Duarden looked upon one another, neither breaking their gaze. Ha! barked Herskar, revealing a crooked smile that was missing a fair few teeth, the replacements glinting gold. Well spoken. Fight till the battle's over. It's only right. We will stay. Greyfields always keep their oaths. Faustus gave the signal, and as one, the remaining Stormcasts moved around the puddled courtyard toward the bridge to the Mercurial Gate. Without pausing, Herskar signaled for his fear to follow. And we are back in the realm of metal this time. Metal! Yeah. Can't stop the metal. No. You can't kill the metal either. No. Because the metal was stronger. But, any event. Exactly. See, I like that. Very good. Very good. All right. So, so uh, the Iron Hole. They are the strongest fortress. The Mercurial Gate. Okay. This 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 is insane. This whole play, this is just crazy now. This is crazy talk here. This whole battle I'm going through, going, this is just weird, okay? There was a lot to try to process in this particular fight. Yeah. Um, I think it really kind of starts with, if you look at the picture of the fortress itself on um, page 83 of the book, yeah. it's this ring of fortresses and towers and gears and cogs and then in the middle is this massive blob of metal which is actually like liquid metal as like a sea and then there's the citadel of the iron holds in the middle of it so it's this really kind of weird a sea of molten metal first you got to get past these these uh you know these these towers these fortresses, which, as you put, have all these gears put together because it was built for, you know, the good guys by the, you know, the Dwarden, who basically put it together so that if Archaon or any of his people ever decided to attack, it would never look the same way twice. They could never plan their attack because all these gears allowed you to actually shift and move the towers. Mm-hmm. So the so if you knew how it looked and you're like we're going to attack here and you attack here and you attack here when you showed up it wouldn't look that way because they could actually just change up things at random and they did change up the patterns of how everything was set up at random so the enemy would never know exactly how to attack there could never be a plan um, so now that's actually now if you want to take back the gate you have to go through that first then you have the lake of molten metal as you pointed out. And then the actual citadel itself, where the gate's in the center. It's like, oh, this, oh, come on. So, okay. Um, the fortresses linked with gears. Plan- okay. Um, Archeon, it, it, he actually, Archeon himself attacked this place nine times before taking it. Yeah, and on the ninth time, it took Zinj's help to do it. Yes, Yes, Zinch had to go in there and trick people and 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 actually play with fate a little bit. Um, 
He actually, yeah, Zinch came in and spent some soul stones and got just the exact right thing to uh, get a per- get a proper flip and uh, managed to make sure Archeon got this gate because it shouldn't have happened. No. Um. So now Sigmar knows that Grunge would know how to get through because Grunge designed this thing, but no one can find Grunge because, of course, no one can find Grunge That would make it too easy. Mm-hmm. So he hires Grimnir's kin, the Fire Slayers, because when you can't find the builder, go find the brother, the Destroyer's kids, because if I can't find the guy who knows how to work it, I'll find a guy who can figure out how to smash it. Mm-hmm. Works for me. Um, and he empties the treasury. He's like, I'm going to hire... All of the, I'm going to hire all, of, yeah, all the fairs I can, and uh, there's a long part in here where they do the long. If you haven't read the Fire Slayer book, they give you the long recap on Urgold and where the real, you know, Urgold is real gold and within regular gold and blah 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 blah. blah. Um, but they all, you know. They all they all tell him the same thing. Hey, we we can't break through that. You can't break, you can't take that. That is not a battle you can win. It was built too well. Look, Archeon took nine times, and then it took, he had to cheat. This is this mm-hmm. is the Sigmar equivalent of the Kobayashi Maru. We cannot win this thing. Um, mm-hmm. and now, but they did talk to Rune Father Hursgar Grimnir. And he basically looked at it and said, whatever we can't beat, we just got to go around. Or under. Or under. Yeah. And I was reading through this, and there was one thing that caught me real quick. When they talk about Grimnir being slain by Volcatrix, they call Volcatrix a god beast. So Volcatrix is from Land of Realm of Fire, and so is Ignax, which we'll get to later. Right. So I thought there was only one god beast per realm. Well, that is true. I mean, Volcatrix was in the realm of fire. Ignax is the chain sun in the realm of fire. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, are there more than just the the kind of like the zodiacal ones that we know about? Like, how many more are there? That's a very good question. I don't know the answer. Yeah, we haven't. We've seen a lot of them. And when you guys covered God Beast, it, it kind of sounded like there was only like one per realm because it's like yeah. a zodiac, and there's only one symbol for the zodiac. Right? But, no, I. You're right. That's exactly how it sounded to me too. And I forgot that they did mention that Vulcatrix was a, a God, God beast. beast. Huh? So there's more. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Well, no, or hmm. unless she was from a different realm. No, she was definitely fire because that's where Sigmar found the two brothers first. Right. Oh, that's was true. Was in the realm of fire. That's right. And he went and slayed an Ignax. Hmm, is another weird. big lizard from the realm of fire. All right. Well, you know what? If, uh, if we ever get an opportunity to ask someone from Games Workshop, um, I will. That is yeah, now on my list of questions. There's a lot that you kind of pick up in those small little details. It's like, wait a minute. 
<laughs> Wait, is there more? Really? Yeah. Oh, come on. Um, okay, so now Sigmar sends 40 Stormcast Chambers with the Fire Slayer Feards to attack the Strongholds. Okay, 40 Chambers and the Feards to attack the Strongholds, knowing they're not even going to get through. No. Because that's the distraction. Mm-hmm. 40 Chambers, along with all the Fire Slayer Feards they were able to hire... As the distraction. Yeah. Then they go with a couple of warrior chambers and a dozen rune smiters and rune masters. And they tunnel under everything. And they've been doing this for a few months. Yeah. And this is led by Fostos Bladestorm, the one of the Lord Celestins of the Celestial Vindicators. He's been in a couple of spots already in the realm of metal. Yes. So, now, Big guy coming in. And this is crazy, too, because it takes them months, and nobody really wanted to do it. They had this, this plan came up and sort of had to talk themselves into it because you're tunneling under not only the, under the, the outer fortresses, but you're tunneling under a lake of liquid metal. Mm-hmm. That's going to be hot. A little bit. Yeah. So the tunnel itself, I mean, you, you you can't tunnel just inches away from it. You have to tunnel far enough where it's not going to melt through and burn through. But no matter how far away from it you're tunneling, it's going to be hot in those tunnels. And you're mm-hmm. going to be down there for months tunneling under a river. You got to get directly under the castle. Make sure and you better be under the or the fortress. You better be under it. Because if you miscalculate, you're basically, you know, taking that final corkscrew and screwing the whole out and you pop pull it out and then all of a sudden if you're opening the 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 you know into the uh, a few feet off and you're opening up the liquid metal lake you're in trouble so we get to this point and um where am i here it is uh oh i flipped the page hold on a second yeah, Thostos Bladestorm leads this underground strike force, and they are impatient to finish the tunneling. And who can blame them, right? It's ridiculous. Hold on a second. Where am I? Where's the page I'm at here? They're impatient to begin to finish the tunneling. Uh, it's it's just hot and it's terrible, and they want out. They actually there's a part where they spit on the ground and it sizzles, which is one of the things that lets them know that they're close. Mm-hmm. Um. So they break out of the tunnel just as the assault starts, and they start to smash the Iron Guard, and there's a Zinch Sorcerer, uh, Trispherix, and Trispherix knows he's in trouble. He's going to lose the gate. Like, these guys come pouring through and just start killing his men. And he's like, wait yeah. a minute, how'd you guys get here? Like, the battle's way out over there. They haven't even gotten through the outside fortresses. How are you in here? Um, and so he realizes he's going to lose the gate leading to that last bridge to the Mercurial Gate. He knows he's doomed, but he sends a message to Archeon. Um, and he basically, like, you better get over here because there's going to be it's going to be horrible. And I'd rather be in trouble with you a little bit now than a whole lot later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he even talks about like what he has to do and kind of figure out he knows what he has to do in order to turn the tide and get things going back in their direction and that's to 
summon what lives or is what lying is what's lying in the molten sea. So it's kind of like, okay, so there's another layer. What's in there? Yeah, what's um, living in the hot melted metal? Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he does his ritual of summoning. The whole thing starts to shake up. And Argentine, the silver worm, comes pouring out of the molten sea, um, which is we've seen Argentine before um, during the quest for Gaul Miraz when the Hammers of Sigmar are going up the waterfall of molten metal to reach the where the fortress has gotten moved to. Argentine was the one that heated everything up, so this way it may, remained liquid, and we had Dracothian come down and fight Argentines this way the silver cooled and they could go up the tower. So this is the God beast that is kind of turned already to Archeon well before he started trying to capture new ones. Right. And if you remember when, when they did fight, Dracothian was fighting him and if Dracothian could have beaten him, he would, he kind of whooped on Dracothian. Yeah. So this is no slouch. No. Um, yeah, it's just not good. Um, uh, but, uh, by then, by that time, they're they're so close to the Mercurial Gate, they're going to be getting through anyway. So you get this next battle plan, and uh, you know the subterranean attack, blah blah blah. It's it's a, it's 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 a cool, it's a cool one. You know, it's got tunneling mm-hmm. rules and stuff like that. So I kind of like it. Um, it's a fun one to play out. But then let's get to the next part of that story, and um, this is interesting because you've got. So, hey, Thostos is leading the troops across the bridge, and they're right about to get to the gate. Now, this bridge is huge. Once again, you look at that map, and you don't quite realize how big this place is, okay? You know, because you got the fortress. Yeah, and you got all these fortresses around this lake of molten metal, which is around another fortress in the middle, and they're getting over there, and they've got to cross this bridge right the bridge is leading right to the gate and i guess part of it is we picture the realm gates as like you know on like on our tabletop that model there's a realm gate and it's wide enough for like two storm casts to stand in it right mm-hmm. okay but these realm gates are some of them are really big you know yeah um this bridge that goes towards the mercurial gate is so wide one thousand men could walk abreast uh and the walls are dangerous to everything. Like, even the walls are dangerous. As they walk, it's really quiet. They're starting to wonder. But, like, if they, they have to walk in the middle because if they walk too close to the sides, like, the walls start spitting out the liquid metal and stuff like that at them. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything here is dangerous. So they're walking in the middle, and now they start doubting their allies. Um. The stormcasts are worried. What if the, what if these what if these fire slayers back out on us? They're only in it for the money. What if we can't trust them? Um, and it, it's actually kind of funny. All this doubt is running through their heads, and they're all worried about if they can trust these guys until the fighting starts. Once the fighting starts, then that's it. Like they don't, they don't you know because there there's no time to worry about whether these guys have your back or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like straight up, like all of that worry is gone and out the window. And there they are. Boom. They're fighting. It's back to normal. Uh, and the Dwarden are doubting too. And I like this because his sons wanted to leave and just are like, dude, 
we can't do we can't trust them they're going to all get killed and if they get killed they're not going to pay us anyway and it's not like we can go to sigmar and demand payment uh, this isn't going to work we need to leave and his sons actually want to leave with their oath unfulfilled as, as because they say it's unfulfillable so it's mm-hmm. not they they're it's okay to quit because the oath can't be fulfilled um you know, and they may live, but they're never going to see payment anyway if they live because the Stormcast are going to stay here until the last man and die. So there's no point in us dying too. Um, and her that that tips off Herskar. I love this part. This is this you know this is why the Dwarden are the best. Um, sure. <laughs> as soon as his own sons start talking about just walking out on an on a, on an oath. He knew something was wrong. Like there's some sort of evil magic must be going on because my sons would never even consider backing out on an oath. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. that it's that Duarden pride and that Duarden honor that as soon as his sons like start talking about abandoning that after all these years, however many hundreds of years they've been alive, he's like, oh, something's going on. And if this is tempting my sons to dishonor, and that that, that just aggravates him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's it's not a, maybe I should, or, ooh, I need to stop this and stop thinking about that. It's like, who's messing with my head? Because mm-hmm. they're going to lose theirs. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, where is it here? Oh, I gotta find this part that I wanted to read. I like it right here. Hold on. Box on one oh two. Oh, next page. Hold on. Um Yeah, it uh he realizes that they're messing with them, and at this point uh he wants the hard job. Uh Thostos has always wanted the hard jobs, not for pride and not for glory. But for vengeance and vengeance alone, um, and that's that's telling about Thostus. You know, we talk about. Uh, I know we talked before. I think I was, was it you and I, or was it someone else? I was talking about where you start to get these 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 things about fire, uh, not the fire slayers, about the um, the um, stormcast. I'm sorry, I was saying fire slayers. I meant stormcast. Yeah, it was the. They're becoming so much more the rage and blind to a lot of things yeah where Faustus is always taking it says here uh after what it felt like his endless underground journey the end was within sight that thought and the anticipation of besting whatever last guards the cast forces could muster drove him onward he longed only to face the foe and it was for that reason he wanted to accept the most arduous tasks from his god king it was not for pride or glory but for vengeance and vengeance alone it was time, however, for one last counsel. So it's that I, he's like he's been wronged by chaos, and he joined Sigmar. So he, you know, if I, <laughs> he's like the crazy guy from, uh, he's like the crazy guy, or those guys that in uh, um, uh, was it was it in Braveheart? I think mm-hmm. if I join you, do we get to kill? Do we get to kill English? Yep, I'm in. Like. <laughs> He doesn't care if it's dangerous. He doesn't care how hard it is. If I join you, do I get to kill English? Yes? All right. Like, that's all he cares about. Like, he's in. But, he, you know, he's not here for the greater glory or the greater good. He's here because these guys, <laughs> somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to die. 
and that's why he's there. And it's a little disconcerting at points because that's not, I thought, what these guys were supposed to be about. No. I mean, the Vindicators are a pretty extreme example of their kind to begin with, with the lust for vengeance and retribution. Um, But he kind of takes it, he is that embodiment. So, and he does take it a little far, but that's who he is. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, to me, it was was surprising as Mm -hmm. as I read it. Uh, And then, of course... He's over there, and they're almost across the bridge, and they're about to get to the gate, and they're like, all right, boys, let's take the gate, and Archeon. Yeah, and before we get too much further, I think we should mention, like, Argentine shows up, and he kills a whole bunch of people all right. uh, with a gout of warp fire, and then Dracothian comes down and starts to fight with Argentine, um, and Sigmar didn't know that Argentine was there. He was tricked again by Shocker. It was Zenich. Ah, that guy. That's right. um, So he tricks Sigmar into thinking that there's nothing there, that the Silverworm is not there. But Dracothian sees it, and he flies in to intercept. So then you've got these two god beasts fighting again. And then you have... That's Frostos right, Dracothian warned Sigmar there was something there. There was a problem with the plan, but Sigmar didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was it. And yeah, yeah. Dracothian has to come riding in to save the day on this one. Oh, that's a bad thing. The giant. I mean, these things are. They've got to be pretty scary. Yeah, they. They rightly should be. They're you know absolutely terrifying, gigantic, continent-sized monsters. Yeah, I mean that they, want to burn your face off. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying it's just not. They're not even just. I mean, I know they describe them as giant dragons, but they're not. I mean, they're giant dragons. Like yeah. when you picture the biggest dragons you've seen in these games and in these stories, those are tiny little babies compared to these things. Like even mm-hmm. the dragons, like the dragons that the that the characters ride, whether they be the elf on dragon from the old game or the star drakes. Those yeah. things are nothing compared to Argentine and Dracothian. Or even like the Forge World-sized dragons that they had come out with, the uh, Fire Dragon or the Chaos Dragon. Those things are still going to be paling in comparison yeah. to and the this... kind of majesty and raw that these things are. Yeah, and that thing starts uncoiling and coming out of the lake. In fact, they said this huge you know, pool-sized types of liquid metal are dropping down from underneath him and burning through stuff as he's mm-hmm. coming out of the lake. Because, you know, it's a lake of liquid metal, and he just sleeps there. Yep. <coughs> Resting up from last time. Unbelievable. So, yeah, but even after all that, like I said, it still doesn't matter because Archaon... Because Thostas is rushing through, and he is going to buy the rest of the army a chance to get away at this point. Mm-hmm. Because after part of it is when you said when when Argentine went, came out, um, stuff got wrecked. Like, parts of the bridge were destroyed and stuff like that, weren't they? Yeah. He just goes absolutely ballistic and, like, breathes, like, this massive gout of warp fire, and that can't be good at all. So... It's one of those things like it could have ended there. Oh, that's right, because that was the meteor. 
the meteor comes in. That's right, because yeah, Herskar and and Thostus get together. Um, no, that's right. Thostus wants to buy time for the army to get away because Archaon, and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys are all, we're all going to die. No need for everybody to die. You guys run, get back down the hole. I'll hold him off. Herskar shows up because he sees uh, Stillskeen, that gaunt summoner. He's like, uh-uh, no, 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 that guy messed with my head. So he's like, I'm not leaving until I have that guy's, you know, face in in between my hands. Um, and that's when a meteor lands because you need a meteor, otherwise Archeon wins immediately. Um. Meteor crashes, and that's when Dracothian beats Argentine, who runs home to the realm of metal. Uh, Dracothian can't even follow him, so that's when he throws the meteor at Archeon. Um, of course, because <laughs> that's, that's what you got to do. There's Archeon. Quick, throw a meteor at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it doesn't stop him. Well, no, because the eye of Sheeran's and his stupid helmet, and it's like, um, hey, Archeon, yeah, meteor, step to your left. Okay. <sighs> wow, that was close. Man. So he dodges the meteor, mm-hmm. and the bridge gets hit, tears it off. Tons of everybody else dies. Uh, Thostus is on the wrong side of the hole in the bridge. And Herskar's on the other side, okay? So it's like, oh. The Gaunt Summoner is using the metal from the lake to fill the hole so that the troops can go there and start attacking those men because a lot of the a lot of the, the Stormcast and the Fire Slayers are on the far side of that hole that was just created by the Meteor. So, yeah, Archaon's not going to necessarily get over there really fast until Dorgar just flies over there, but shush, that's still... But the tri- mm-hmm. but his Varengard, who have been riding through, they're not getting across. No. So the Gaunt Summoner starts filling up the hole with metal from the lake, but it's still got to cool before anyone can run across it. Uh, and then, so the Dwarden leave, but the Liberators are like, nope. So they're just going to, they said, basically, they stay by the hole. And they're like, if Thostus can't leave, we're not leaving. So you go and we'll buy you more time. Uh, and Thostus is a madman. He is cutting down Varengard left and right. Varengard, chop, chop one guy down, chop next guy down, chop next guy down. Thostus is tough. Yeah, he is He is the dude, um, as he should be. Um, but to you knock down a Varengard, even for someone as prodigious as him, like in game turns, that would be difficult for him to do. Um, but obviously, this is like Thostus unleashed. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You watch, it's like, you know, he, yeah, in game terms. Once again, story terms and game terms are always different. I've learned that oh, now yeah, that I've got my different. little space marines, and I realize that 100 of them can't necessarily crush everything in their path. Um, no. But 100 of them can take a planet in the books. I've read them, but that's neither here nor there. My point is, um, he's just, I mean, seriously, it's just destruction. He's so awesome. Um, but then Archeon's like, um, yeah, stop killing my stuff. <laughs> Dead. Um, yeah. And but then the devoured. worst part is Dorgar eats him. Like he, like Archeon hits him and he's hurt, but not dead. Dorgar eats him. Yeah. And so he doesn't go back to Azir. No. 
Because Dorgar, yeah. when he eats you, he eats your soul. Yeah, which is... It's very kind of sad that they got rid of such a compelling character as Thostos once you read like the Black Library stuff. It's kind of like, oh, you got rid of one of the cool Stormcast. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so... And that's the thing, though. They constantly can be regenerated, so that's one of the few ways to eliminate... <laughs> The character yeah. is let Dorgar eat him. So now Thostis is like gone, gone. Um, yeah. uh, so you get another battle plan. They do a time of war for the Mercurial Gate, which is super in favor of chaos, mm-hmm. especially with Argentine being able to be summoned by chaos to start throwing the game all over the place. You can actually summon him and have him start wiping things out. Um but it is kind of a neat little bat, uh, time of war if you want to play this particular battle at the Mercurial Gate uh, just to play things out. Um, there are some interesting things here. Um, not even close to balanced, but it uh, would be no. a, a, but fun and challenging. I will throw that in. I wouldn't think that much at least. Yeah. Um, basically, the, the wrap up, Archeon saves the Mercurial Gate, but here's the one thing that happens. He saves this gate, and this is, should be like the hardest gate to take, except the good guys tricked their way around all the hard stuff. Um, but now Arkan realizes one thing. is like, oh, um, he's starting to get reports there at all the other gates, and uh, he can't be everywhere at once. No. Um, so he's like, you know, he knows he's good, but he's not. he can't be everywhere. And now he's realizing that he's might very well be losing some of these gates. His power base here at the all points is going to be severely weakened if he loses these gates. So he is not happy. No. Uh, not at all. Because um, he just, he, he can't be everyone at once. And so uh, he, you know, he just flew back through the, through the portal back to eight points. Um, because uh, it says, he ran. He might still reach another battle in time to turn the tide, or if he could not, any who failed him would be summoned and dealt with at the Varen Spire. So that's what's going to happen. Now, before we break, we get one page here, and it's not even a page. It's a two-page spread with a very large picture and one column, and it takes care of two more realms in a quick thing here. Uh, into light and dark, Sigmar sent his Stormcast Eternals, but of how those fared, none could tell. Few returned, none could speak clearly of what they'd seen. Even the far-seeing eyes of the immortal gods could not be sure of what they beheld. Before the coming of Chaos, Hish and Uglu were called the Mirror Realms, for each reflected back upon the other a likeness that was the opposite, yet in some ways the same. Hish was the realm of light, reason and symmetry ruled, uh, symbolism, a place rife with symbolism and double meanings, yet to gaze upon pure truth is like staring at the sun. Both lead to blindness. Opposite Hish were the veiled lands of Ulgu. I always call it Uglu. I say that wrong. It's Ulgu. The dreaded realm of shadow. Thirteen unending regions, all lands of secrets and half-truths. All places where the mystery blew upon the breeze. If one stared long enough into those shifting mists, Definite shapes could be seen or guessed upon, but were these visions real or illusory? In a land of unreason, who can tell what's real and what's not? 
Yet always the struggle between order and chaos continues. And basically what you find out is nobody knows what happened there. Troops got sent from both sides. Nobody came back. Yeah, it's a really kind of a weird thing because these are like two of the realms I've been the most excited to read about. And it's like, yep, stuff happened. No one knows what happened, but it happened. Well, I'm like, really hoping really? they're sort Way of. The, to punt that. I'm really hoping that they're. I kind of like it. They're they're the mystery realms. They're the twin realms. They're the mysterious realms. You kind of know these are the el- realms of the elves and Skaven. Uh, do the Skaven have these realms? Well, they the Skaven to... can go everywhere. But my point. Yeah. But I'm saying, who were the? I mean, who was the? Who were the uh, avatars of of light and shadow in the old in the in the. Uh, end times yeah no it's it was malekith or malarian as he's called now and then you have uh and Tyrion, but or t- it was it Tyrion, uh, yeah it was Tyrion, but so you can't help but look when, when he says 13 unending regions all secrets and half truths 13 is a very auspicious number especially true. if you're a rat yes so yeah they probably yeah they're probably around in there too so, Could that be like a big hint for like a clan's Eshin big thing as something that could really be happening? Because um, Eshin always seemed like to be like the forgotten clan. They were there, but they kind of hid in the shadows as, you know, well, that might could be the be. case. Yeah, and there's in one of the floating time bubbles that we kind of brushed over earlier, there's a thing called the Six Citadels. Where like there are lords of Slanesh that get together and buy secrets from the clan session about things that mortal men should not know. So that definitely seems like the one of these two realms has Slanesh in it, or at least the path to finding Slanesh. So this is well, and that's what I'm it, thinking is that this the, the reason they're not telling us anything is because in the next whatever the next campaign series is. It's going to be these two. Yeah, this is where they're going to focus. So for now, we can't tell you anything because this is where the next this is where the next big thing's happening. Yeah. So this is yeah, that's that. Uh, time for a break for you and I. Yeah. Actually, we're overdue for a break, and um, when we t- come back, we'll be at the Maw Gate in the in the realm of beasts with the. Uh, with the antics of the uh, of the Oryx and this one I like this one this one's fun mm-hmm. so we'll be back folks in just a minute Dak Bad drove his boss chop up butt first into the face of a blood warrior, the force of the blow driving the man's visor right through his skull. His boys were doing a good job bashing up those chaos lads, but he didn't like the look of all that lightning in the sky. Don't let them get away, boys, he bellowed. Feed them to your choppers or let the big things have them. Over the rolling battlefield of horn helms and heaving flesh, Dakbad spied the chaos boss on his spiky beast, yelling orders and waving his axe. That one's mine! Get out of me way! bellowed Dakbad, urging his maw crusher forward. In that instant, a 
brilliant bolt of lightning crashed down into the gorge, banishing the shadows and hurling up a geyser of smoking rock. Out of its glow sprang warriors in shining plate. The lead warrior threw himself at the blood-bound lord and, like a silver flash, drove a shimmering sword through his foe. Dakbad was furious. New plan, he roared. Smash the shiny ones! We are back. We're back in the realm of beast at the Maw Gate. Or, 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 or. Time for war. There's a whole lot of war going on. A whole here. lot of war. All right. In the land of Gur, a savage and violent land. Hold on. I got to read this because this is great. Let me find the page because I like this. Hold on. Where's the page? I hate when they don't get numbered because of all the pictures. Um, all right. Um, Tribes of wild oryx, cruel beastmen, and savage humans filled the night with their war chants. Every cave and ruin was home to monstrous beasts, hungry for their next meal, and even the landscape constantly fought for dominance. In the sky, the four winds howled against each other in their endless contest for strength. Rivers greedily carved their way through stone as suns chased fearful moons across a firmament filled with watchful stars. To live in the land of beasts was to be both stalker and quarry, for it was a cycle of savagery that had endured as long as the mortal realms drifted through the void. Gur was no stranger to war, and in times past, as they did now, armies converged upon its wild lands, dreaming only of conquest and violence. So it's like, oh, and that's, that's where the Stormcast Eternals are coming to get this stuff reclaim this this is the area they're coming for in fact it's great because when the knights of zeros land they're coming down and the guy in charge of the first the first group that lands he died here last time Mm -hmm. he's like he's very hesitant to go back yeah he's like i know we got to be here i don't like this place Mm -hmm. this is not a cool place to be at all so um, like I said, it's been a rough and violent slog through this place to secure any of these realm gates, uh, and they're also supposed to find Gorkamorka because mm-hmm. Sigmar and Gorkamorka were pals at one point. But it's hard to have a truce and have him be part of a group that's unified and and planning and fighting chaos because Gorkamorka gets bored when there's no fighting going on. So all they found are Oryx eager to test their abilities against them. So the Stormcast come looking to find Gork and Mork and find allies. All the Oryx want to do is, you know, test their strength against these new, a new group to, uh, to fight against. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. this Realm Gate is weird. As it should be. Yeah, but I, okay. Uh, I got issues with this realm gate. Let's talk about your issues with this realm gate. Okay, unless this giant thing ate it and it got stuck in its throat, this is dumb. Is it? 
Well, the realm gate just okay. Do they just appear, or were they built? Because if they just appeared, this is a weird place to appear. And if they were built, who did? Who's this dumb? I don't think it's so much that it's dumb. I think it's that the realm gates themselves are, or especially these all points, are embodiments of the realms themselves. If you look at the Genesis gate, it's a waterfall. If you look at the Mercurial gate, it's this gigantic fortified wall, essentially is what it is. The realm of beasts, it probably should be a big critter. Okay, but it is, is it a big critter? Because the way it was described, it's in its, it's like stuck in its throat. Like they have to hold its mouth open, and they they come out from like, his mouth. Yeah. Okay, but it just, it's a big worm. This is like Dune on steroids. Okay, but much. it's tra- it says it's trapped in the gull in its gullet. Like so, it's trapped in. I just picturing a gate that it says it's trapped in there. Like it, no, it no, didn't no. sound to me like it was naturally there. Like it's a part of this thing. But somehow the realm gate got stuck inside this thing's. Like, did it just swallow it up? Now, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. To, maybe it's like you said, like the giant sandworm, and it went and it was going to swallow this realm gate because it's that darn big, and mm-hmm. it got stuck in its throat. Okay, maybe I'll buy. It just seems it's. I don't know. It just seems strange. I mean, it works for what it is. It works for the story, but this is just a weird. Like okay. Okay, for those of you who haven't read it, it's, it's it literally says it's trapped in the gullet of Fangathrak, a burrowing world worm of immense proportions. So yeah, I get you. I bet you this world worm tried to eat whatever was around there, and accidentally tried to eat the realm gate, and the realm gate got stuck in its throat, and now it's eternally stuck in this thing's throat. So, mm-hmm. um, and this creature, this this thing, um. It it doesn't just sit around. So there's it's not like the realm gate's in a spot. When this no, thing it moves. Re- yeah. So the, so the realm gate is constantly relocating itself. Well, even, you know, Ar- Archaon can't have that. Like, that doesn't work for him. So here's what they did. They got six giant chains, okay, with big spiked chains with hooks on the end. And they hooked it into like, because apparently his mouth has got like little, it's like a six flap mouth opening. Kind of like the giant sand dune, sandworms from Dune, except instead of four flaps, it's got six. And they put a spike chain around each front corner of its mouth. And they lash it to these living strongholds called crawler forts, which is a giant chaos fort built on top of a giant crab monster. Yeah, it's a weird con- it's like a weird visual because even if you look at the picture of it, it's still kind of weird to try to figure out. It's like this big worm, which is not the biggest thing on the page, and then it's got these six things around it attached by chains. And then this thing can still burrow. Well, and, and, it, and doesn't- it doesn't though because they've got now that they've got it chained, it can't really burrow that much anymore because the six of them are able to hold it mouth open. And it keep it from being able to move around too much. I guess it's not dumb. I guess if it, I guess if it swallowed it and it got stuck in its throat, I guess I was just picturing that it was just like, like. But I was, can guarantee you that was intentional, Be, just by the realm itself. Because that seems why really should? Weird. 
does it though? This is a whole land of kill or be killed. Everything eats everything. But it Why could just wouldn't... be in a really like a harsh in some harsh terrain with terrible monsters around it. It's no, getting it cool stuck enough. in a monster's throat. I don't know. You, you're, we have a different definition of cool. I don't know. I would surround it with well, it's by the same token. If you think about it, this is a whole land where you, your goal is to survive or die. Right. And it's the cycle of eating and feeding, which you know plays kind of into the ogors and to the oryx, where it's like you have to fight or die. So why wouldn't this thing be represented by a mouth? Yeah, I, okay. I mean, I'll give it to you. It just seemed so weird to me. Like I couldn't wrap my head around it. But I guess, I guess, I get what you're saying. Like, when you point, when you make it that way, it, it it represents the land being in there. That I guess that makes more sense. But okay, no. Now sometimes you're right. Sometimes this thing does still burrow around a little bit, and every once in a while it manages to like get an upper hand on them and twitch and turn in the right direction and sort of get the castle, the crawler fort off balance to where it can just go and start tunneling. Yeah, now, and it never goes to the same place twice. Right. No. So that just makes it even more difficult to pin down. Right. So this one time it pops up right around the Death Gorge, uh, and there's a whole convergence of these war clans around the Death Gorge, and it's dragging the crawler forts behind it, and it pops up, like you said, right around the Death Gorge. Now, the orcs are deciding who gets to attack first. Because there's this giant, you know, that's a big old beastie. Uh, yeah. And then the Chaos Lords, the six bastions, just decide it's time to attack. They're like, we ain't waiting for all these orcs to attack us. Let's go kill those orcs. Yeah, um, and it's a lot of, like, corn is yeah. the ones that are in charge of the crawler forts. And if you read it, it's talking about, like, okay, so it seems kind of weird. Almost like, why did this big worm pop up next to this kind of convergence of all these iron jaws and everything. So it seemed like that was kind of random, but then you read it and it's like, maybe it was guided by the hand of Gork or maybe Mork. It seems like to me, it's that even the land itself did not want to be conquered by chaos. So this is its attempt to try to release itself. Oh, that's a clever, it's a clever theory. I'll go with that. Yeah, I just wanted to catch that before we start moving on to the killing stuff. <laughs> no, that's good. I didn't think of that. Thank you. That's a good idea. And that does fit with the whole how every realm sort of fits within its own way. And here's a realm that won't be tamed telling Chaos, listen, get out of here. Yeah. Um, okay, so the battles are vicious and they're bloody on every front, both sides taking their toll. Um, and in time, the Iron Jaws are getting themselves just pushed back. Um, uh, well, you got Dak Bad Grot Kicker, and he's watching the gates of the Bane Crawler Fort open and watching the energy point out. Um, and if they're going to come straight out at him, he's got a plan. And I love the backstory on this guy because they call, you know, this is, this guy actually has plans. He's, other, a, he's a cunning orc, not just a brutal orc. And the other orcs think he's a little weird because of it. They're um, called like tactics, T-A-K-T-I-C. Yep. He likes yeah, tactics. Uh, so he, he's got a plan. If they're going to come rushing out at me, huh? I got I gots me an idea. So he looks over at the Death Gorge. Now, the Death Gorge, 
Uh, they believe the Democrat... It's a huge gorge. Apparently, it was formed when Gork dragged his toenail across the ground and poured a bunch of gargants into it. So apparently, this gorge is huge because the gargants live in it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them. It's not just like a few... It's not just like on your tabletop where there might be three or four. There are scores and scores of gargants. This is where the gargants population lives in this area, in the yep. Deaf Gorge. Any auric that wants to prove that he's tough as nails runs the gauntlet from one end of the gorge to the other without being eaten by the gargants. Okay. Yeah. You got to toughen up, get a few scars, and that's a good way to do it. Yep. Uh, so now Drakbad takes his oryx and they start taunting the Chaos Army. They're standing at the edge of the Death Gorge, and you know they're flipping them off and 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 mooning them and and sticking their tongues out and and telling them that you know their 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 mom was a was a high elf and all that stuff. And the Chaos Army comes rushing at them and they go down into the Death Gorge. Now, yep. now these guys, they're Iron Sons. They know. They've all gone through the Death Gorge. They know the rules of the Death Gorge. First rule of Death Gorge is keep moving. Keep moving and avoid the Gargans. Just keep going. Like, once you get in there, get going and keep moving. Because if you stop, you become a target. Now, the Chaos Warriors don't know this. They ride down there. They stop to look around to take in the... <laughs> they come in down there making a lot of noise, and then they stay in one place. <laughs> Because they want to fight. Yeah, they want to fight. They want to look around, figure out, okay, what's the best place to defend or the best place to attack from? Where is the enemy? Where is he going? What should we do? While they're trying to figure out a plan, all the Gargants come out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they start fighting with the Gargants, and a lot of them are getting eaten. But they start to realize what's going on. They start fighting back. Um, but when you're fighting like that, screaming blood for the blood god, banging on armor, killing and smashing, that just makes a lot of noise. And you're still not really moving, are you? No. I mean, you need to be fighting and moving, not just standing and fighting, which is what they're doing. And they're making noise. So more gargants just come out. And they're like, uh, what's going on here? Oh, food. Um, mm-hmm. So they're coming out, and basically, and the Iron Suns just keep going, running across the Death Gorge. Like they're running the gauntlet again. They've all, in fact, all of these guys have run the gauntlet before. So it's like they they know what they're doing. It's still dangerous, but at least they know what they're doing. Meanwhile, the Chaos guys are fighting Gargans. Eventually, even these guys realize they need to run, so they start heading down there too. Um, now, Hakadron uh, or Hakadron or whatever this dude's name is, uh, he's leading these these um, these corn uh, bloodbound guys. And um, near the end of the gorge, he's finally getting caught up to him. And Drakbad's Iron Sons now they've stopped here at the very end because they're at the end of the. So there's no got, no Gargan's going to be coming out and surprising them. They got their back to the exit. They're ready for this, but by the time they got there, they went from being outnumbered five to one by chaos to even numbers. And uh, and they 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 get stuck in. They're like they, this a 
This is good. This we can fight. And they get stuck in and they attack. And while they're attacking, all of a sudden, big bolts of lightning strike and the Stormcast are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the lead Stormcast Eternal, the guy, the Stormcast Eternal in charge, kills the kills this, that Hakadron guy, Hagen, whatever. Um, that was Dakbad. Dakbad wanted him. Like that was his guy. Like you know, he ran the gauntlet. He had the plan. He got to fight their leader. And the Stormcast guy comes up and gives him the straight up decapitron. And Dakbad gets mad. And he's like, that's it. Get the shiny guys next. Mm-hmm. Because you killed the guy he wanted to kill. So now he's like, go kill them too. Um, <laughs> it's just like I started laughing when I read that. I'm like, it totally figures. It, that is a definitive Auric move. Yeah. Hey, wait, he was mine. Now I'm not, that's it. I'm smashing your face in. Um, what happens next? We get the, uh, battle plan. You do get a, uh, regiments of renown stuff here for time of war. So if you want to, uh, play, uh, you know, where you can get, get some guys experience. This is an interesting table. I do like this. I read through this and we're not going to spend a lot of time in it right now, Mm -hmm. but they literally break it down to. Uh, just a straight-up general regiment of renown. Uh, then they got marksmen, scouts, heavy infantry, outriders, and cavalry. So you can kind of break your stuff into uh, into categories and fall under specialized uh, skills that they can learn for experience with your little regiments of renown. So if you're playing in a campaign, your guys can gain experience and do extra stuff. So mm-hmm. I did. I did like... Uh, that particular time, I like all the times for. What am I saying? I did like that one particularly, though, because I love the the story element and the building up of uh, experience and letting your character get more. You know, your units get extra cool things um, when you win battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beast run, and that's actually a, uh, it's a two foot by eight foot board. So you're running yeah. the death gorge on a two by eight. And that's that's a cool board. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting battle plan, and it really it breaks up a lot of what normal games of Age of Sigmar are, where it's kind of like the pitched battle you set up and you play. This is like a definitive, it's you fighting the table, too. So there's, it's a very different battle plan, and it's something I would love to play. Absolutely love to play this one. I just don't have enough giants. Oh, no kidding. The only one who might come close is Joe Flesh. He's got five or six. John Cash actually has close to 20, I think. Really? John Cash collected, like, every giant that they came out with in multiple. So Johnny's got a lot of giants. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Oh, and uh, just for the record, this is the longest section in the book. There are more fights and more battles in this book than any... Uh, my notes just keep going on and on and on in this one. So, um, yeah, it's also a different setup than a lot of the other ones because the other ones it's like very much a one-sided versus one-side fight. This is a three-way fight, and they're all very different. Yeah, well, and it doesn't have to be a three-way fight, except the orcs like to fight everybody. Oh yeah, so it has to be a three-way fight. <laughs> 
<laughs> you got the forces of order showing up to help fight the forces of chaos. The orcs are fighting against chaos, but when order shows up, they look like a good scrap too, so let's have at it. It's like, oh, you knuckleheads. All right, so um, let's do a little bit of the Big Green God before we take a break. Um, okay, big picture. Oryx versus Bloodbound at the Crawler Forts, and they are dying in droves, okay? There's, I mean, there's a ton of them. I mean, it's like it's like the, the green wave going in here. There's tons of orcs fighting. Um, but these are chaos forts on top of giant, like, crab creatures. And so those giant legs are just, as the things are walking and moving, they're just cutting mm-hmm. through things as they move and they're crushing them as they as they set down and it's just it's just it's just ugly stormcast shows up now there's even more fighting stormcast versus bloodbound and sometimes the orcs jump in um they keep winding up near these uh gigadroth skeletons these giant things there are three different war clans there okay uh, and they are battling for days. Bloodbound are dying. Stormcast are being sent back to Azir. Uruks are whying. Um, not only is the war power growing, and the whole reason I'm explaining all of this is because this fighting is just building up that power of the war, which I think is kind of cool because that energy is building and making them just fight even more. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me not of like I think not the eighth edition, but I think it was the sixth edition orc book that we were using at the beginning of seventh, where it really yeah. described how, you know, in a fight that that energy just builds and builds and builds, and it used to spill out into the game in in, in unique ways. Yeah. Um. But this is building, but that's not it, um, because so many things are dying, corns. Sort of blood madness from his from his soldiers. Uh, that madness is starting to um, it's starting to affect the Oryx as well. Uh, and I thought that was interesting because the it, it, the book actually pointed out how the Wah is is building and they're, it's, it's driving them you know to to new heights of of fighting. But suddenly, the corn madness, the blood for the blood, the bloodthirst, is starting to affect them too. Um, in fact, it's starting to affect them to the point where they are fighting, and they they, they beat uh, some of the stormcast that they're fighting, and the guys have no no one else to fight at that moment, so they just start fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The two storm stormcast lords wondered. Oh, okay. Now what happens? This is where it gets crazy. Um, the uh, there's the, the 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 sky is changing. Grinning green faces appear in the clouds, and thunderheads shaped like fists roll overhead. They wondered if Gorkamorka was coming. Like the stormcast leaders are like, oh, maybe we finally found Gorkamorka. Um, and then they look up, and you can see this stuff going, and they're not the only ones who see it because the corn guys are looking at it going like, what is this? But the Iron Jaws see this, and they that they just go wonky. 
Like there, yeah. there were a couple of different war bosses there who were there, or mega bosses. There were like three different ones all sort of fighting to see who was going to be in charge. They saw that too with the green god's face in the sky, all arguing over who's going to be in charge went right out the window. Yeah. Because and they know that something's coming. Yeah. This is a big omen for them. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, – let's see. The crawler legs are smashing things. The stormcasts are trying to take the forts, and they can't. Um, the orcs are getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Um the three mega bosses basically look around and say, first one to the top of the closest crawler fort is the boss. They'd been arguing over who should be the boss of this big wah the whole time. They've all been fighting against the enemies, but they've all been sort of arguing amongst themselves while fighting who should be in charge. And they decide to play king of the hill in the middle of this fight. Which makes Fair sense. Way to do it. They're orcs. Yeah, they just look around and they're like, "I know." First one to the top, because you have to kill a lot of things and be pretty darn good to get to the top of this thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a good it's a good test. Ah, uh, let's see. <laughs> um, so it's on, and they are going for the flayed fort. They are trying to get up there. You got a demon prince. Sinlesha, pale blood. Um, and okay, the green tide. There are so many orcs going for this thing with all three of these, uh, these bosses, calling all of their 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 armies to rush this thing. It starts to rumble the ground enough to wake up the Gargans, who then come out of the Death Gorge and join the fight. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's fantastic. I mean, this is great, and it is literally a green tide. Like they're—I mean, you, it's like I'm trying to picture it in my head as they're explaining it. It's like you can't even see the ground anymore. It's just all the way to the horizon is just green, where before it wasn't green. But they're just filling up everywhere you can see, as far back as you can see, Oryx. Um, and like they're just climbing each other at this point like if you die then they climb on top of you it's like a wall of bodies Um, and the beasts that are carrying the crawler fort are starting to get tired and wobbly and the gargants are coming up and starting to rip on them and pull things down off the walls and stuff Um, so Fangathrax starts pulling on this uh deckbeds uh fighting this Sil- uh Sinlesha uh demon prince thing um and that's when all of a sudden you see actual green eyes flash in the sky and uh you hear this Whoa! and all the orcs head for the other crawler forts and they're like what like, what's going on here? Like, they they almost had this fort, ta- like, smashed, and all of a sudden, eyes flashed over a different one, and they hear this this big cry in the sky of war, and so they all are just like, oh, well, we should be over there. Mm-hmm. And they just drop what they're doing and head that way. 
Yep. I mean, and then that actually goes right along with the Oryx too. It does. They're yeah. very easily distracted by shiny objects. Um, it turns out one of the three mega bosses, Red Drek, is actually stuck in a silver tower. Yep. And this is Zergarel, the Tyrant of Eyes, Ar- one of Arcan's gaunt summoners. Um, he's been trying to point the Oryx at the Stormcast, but it just doesn't work. You can't point the orcs at anybody. Even if you're the leader, you can't make them fight a certain thing. It just doesn't work. Um, So he did the best thing he could, which was he realized if he summoned up that flash in the sky, they would all flock to that and get off of his back. Uh, And that was the best he was able to do at this point. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And we're not even close to done with the story because right now we just have a lot of orcs fighting the crawler forts because it's a fun thing to try and tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wonderful. So you know what? Let's take a let's take another breather. Um and um when we come back this time, we will see now that they've all run over there to attack what's over there. We'll see how they do. We'll see if they ever manage to grab the realm gate that's stuck in the throat of the giant worm monster because that's... that be, Yeah, because. Because so. reasons. Reasons, exactly. We'll be back. Talador, Knight Azeros of the Knights Excelsior, felt the boiling green magic like spiders crawling on his skin. It was also making his heart beat faster, each thumping boom echoed by a sea of oryx roaring down below. Swooping along the coast of the gnawing sea, where waves shaped like beast spirits tore and bit at the land, Talador beheld a green tide as it poured forth from a vast ramshackle fleet. These were the soldiers of Gorka Morka, the ones Sigmar had bade him treat with, and somewhere among their ranks was their king. There, emerging from the largest of the crude vessels, was an auric larger than all the rest, astride some brutish beast mount. Gliding down, Telador prepared to make his introductions. Millions of eyes watched him descend, but they waited to see what their master would do. Feet finally touching the sand before the auric king... Telador bowed his head. Telador didn't even see the massive greenskin move before its axe was cleaving through his skull. A burst of pain, and then he was naught but lightning as his soul returned to his ear. Streaking up from the beach, the Knight of Zeros could no longer see the Oruk army as it marched towards the Hunger Woods and toward his Stormcast brothers. All right, we're back again. Yeah. And Gordrak's coming because we've been all around Gur with a lot of violence and a lot of blood. Gordrak hasn't even shown up yet. And now he does. Gordrak's Great War shows up. Um, now, basically, 
He has just been smashing across Gurr until he gets to where all this fighting is. Um, so, now, we were talking before about this green tide, where it was just like all you could see from the tower were oryx all over the place. Um, it's just everywhere you looked, oryx. Now you've got this great war coming in that makes the current green tide look like a skirmish party. So I don't know how many orcs are in here with Gordrak, but this is just getting ridiculous. Like, there's got to be hundreds of thousands, if not a million orcs out there is what it sounds like. Um, They're just running, crushing everything standing against them. Corn, beasts, Oryx who don't feel like joining, everyone. you standing there, you're going to get smashed. Interestingly, he tried to get them into the realm of light, and, yeah. he, was, and he was stopped. Although he killed a whole lot of Stormcast Eternals in the process. But he they, they basically pulled a 300, and they locked themselves shield to shield in front of in the, in the in the gateway. Said, no, you, no, you, no, you can't go in here. And that yeah, was that. I found it funny that you know we don't know what's going on, but we do know that they have a bastion called Celestrium, and yep. naturally, it's the hammers of Sigmar. Of course, you is. know why not the Golden Boys? Hey, I like the Golden Boys. I know. Hey, what are you gonna do? That's how I painted my army, so that's what I got. It's all good, buddy. Uh oh! Wait till you see my display board. I got yeah. a cool display board going right now. I just got to—I got to redo some of the base on it, but I, I found the coolest thing, and I'm totally using it for my display board, and I'm very happy with it. So I actually Excellent. have a nice display board ready for Wapaka now. It makes me very happy. I might be able to use it for that and for my 40k display board. So that'll Holy be even smokes. better. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And when I tell you where I got it off the air, you're gonna—you're gonna be like, "Oh, I can't believe you." Um, okay, so get this. So. Now he uh, he tries to get into the realm, can't, says, forget this, and he's back to rampaging across Gur. Um, he smashes the strongholds of the seven beast kings, brought down the statues of the shard folk gods, turned them into boats. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he forces, then he beats up the gargants, <laughs> sticks them on the boat, says, you're going to row this thing, because they're big, so they can row real good. So this is, I mean, this guy's crazy. Like, here's another, here's another character who shows up who's just, like, all sorts of impressive. This is the, you know, this is just, these are one of these, you know, characters who's going to become legendary, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so, okay, meanwhile, he's doing this, driving across, smash these guys, knock down their giant statues, carve out the center, turn them into boats, boats big enough where gargants are your rowing crew so they can get us across faster. Pardon me. Meanwhile, the Stormcast have pushed the chaos back to within the brass and the blood crawler forts. They've got them all inside and locked in. They've basically got it sort of sieged. Um... Um, Lord Celestin, uh, Tymon makes his big push. He's about to face the Corn Lord dude in charge. And that's when Gordrak shows up. Mm-hmm. And he knows Gorka Morka brought him there for more than just killing Stormcast. 
You know, that's not the, that's not his purpose. But he gets off the boat and he starts rushing up and he looks and he sees that there's huge war going on, but he's just like he didn't just bring me here to kill these stormcasts, but they're there, right there in front of me, and they're so shiny. And I'm gonna smash them. <laughs> like that's just like I know this isn't the job, but they're right here. You know, like I'm gonna <laughs> So I'm gonna smash these guys and then we'll get on with the work. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I just <laughs> I love that whole idea. I know this isn't why I'm here, but they're right here. Like I'm, it's, it's just I'm gonna do this quick and then get onto it. I'm gonna kick them anyway. That's yep. just the way it is. And I don't know. Like my personal favorite piece of art from this whole book is the one of Gorjack on page one sixty four. Like I hate yellow in all shapes and forms. I'm not a particular fan of the Iron Jaws. Looking at him kind of want to paint him yeah so no this is a great picture and well plus the yellow isn't ultra bright just hurting your eyes yellow in here no Um, it's not this is much more muted right and it's and it's dirty like there's just some mess on it but it's still bright enough to grab so you know who they are yeah and he's scary and you read this you read this story about him where he got the double bladed uh, world Choppa that he got from Gorka Morka. Gorka Morka gives him a double bladed axe called World Choppa. What does he do with it? Breaks it in half over his knee into two axes, axe heads, and to make it more killy. Yeah, now I now and he calls him Smasha and Cunning now, and now they're yeah, it's more killy when he can swing one half with each hand instead of just. Swinging one axe that can kill either way you swing it. Now I got two axes. It's like wh- what? Um. So. Oh, and I totally forgot this part. Uh, when they're rowing, so he crosses the sea, and he gets out and he sees the storm cast before he gets to the killing part, right? He gets off the boat and he sees the stormcast there, and the Knight Azeros comes and he wants to treat with him because the Knights Azeros want to come and say, like, we want to get them on our side. And he goes and he lands down in front of him and he bows. Before he can treat with him, he bows to show proper respect. Before he does anything else, his head gets separated from his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Because Godric just cuts his head off and then heads for the fight. Because there you go, that's the things he does. It's like, oh my goodness, this guy is just—he's fantastic. I love orcs, and he's just—he is just—I mean, he's kind of the epitome of orcs in this in this in this version of the game, isn't he? He is the guy, isn't he? He is. He's the he um, is the man. Who was the guy in the old game? What's uh, Grimgore? Yeah. He's the Grimgore in this, isn't he? He's the combination like Grimgore and Gorbad and Azhag. Like those three sorts of characters, that's what I see with Gordrak. Little elements of all of them. And boy, is he just running through. Um, And the Stormcast, he hits them and the Stormcast are holding the line. They're way outnumbered by like just a bajillion to one. And it's looking not too bad. And then the second wave hits, and then they start getting, and they start swarming around the flanks. And it's like, oh, we're going back to Azir. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. We're going home. Um, that's when Gordrak rides in. Uh, Zog, uh, Zog, uh, Zog back and Dak bad join him. Those are the other two of the three uh, mega bosses who weren't a fake mega boss like we just found out, you know, on the other one. Um, every group is joining him. This base, so basically. All the guys who were there, the giant green tide, he comes riding in, outnumbering them by a bunch, and they're like, oh, now that's a real group. These guys just look at each other and go, yeah, no, he's the boss, not us. Um, And now this group is the Mega Fist. Um, They smash Timon's forces, but the Corn Lord and the Slanesh Lord are amassing forces from the Maw Gate, and they're preparing their counterattack, right? And it's like, good luck with that. Like, okay, get your counterattack together. Here you go. Uh, the sky is turning green and red. This is the, okay, we mentioned earlier in the last, before the last break, how the power of the Wa is building up, and because of the weeks of fighting, that Wa energy is building up and making the orcs just crazier fighters, right? But with all the blood spilling... Corn's power is growing too, and it's starting to infect some of the orcs and making them even more vicious on top of their war power. Now, remember the sky had turned green, and we saw the face of of Gork in there and stuff like that, Gorkamorka. Now this guy's turning green and red at the same time because we're getting both gods uh, are 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 feeling their oats here. Um, this is where the Lord Relictor is. He's having trouble pulling lightning from the sky at this point as a Lord Relictor because these both of these two gods are messing things up for him, making it difficult mm-hmm. to uh, to pull lightning from the sky um, simply because their power is becoming sort of ascendant here. Right. And uh, that's that's kind of cool. Like, I haven't seen that happen before in the game. No, and it's one of those things that it really kind of shows like what holds dominion in the realm of beasts, and it's not lightning. No, no. Um, so it turns green and red. Gorkamorka and corn are corrupting everything. Avirmos, uh, the uh, Lord Relictor, looks around and decides we got to go straight for the realm gate. There is not enough of us to grab these crawler forts, which was the original plan. We we just got to go straight for the realm gate. Um. So the Chaos guys decide, okay, here's what we're going to do. The Slaneshi Demon Prince, whose name I keep mangling, he's going to go after the Lord Relic. Uh, he's going to go after the Lord uh, T- Timon or Timon, whatever. Uh, and Draghorn the Corn Lord is going to go after Gordrak. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, just, okay, Gordrak just kills Draghorn. Draghorn didn't stand a chance. No. This was not even, I mean, even, you want to read about it, go ahead. There was not much description. It's like, oh, he came up, and then they took a swing at him, and Gordrak just basically was like, really? And that was pretty much it. Um, uh, Dakbat actually intercedes and kills uh, Sinlisha. The Slanesh one. The Slanesh one, yeah. Uh, Timon tries to get his remaining Stormcast through the Maw Gate. And 
Gordrak lets out the war, and all the beasts follow. Now, okay, his his war scream is so powerful. He is so infused, not only with the power of Gorka Morka, but now with the infection of the corn's power, the bloodlust, that when he lets out this booming roar, it doesn't just get the oryx. It gets the beasts around him. It gets the gargants. It gets the monsters. It gets Fangathrak is now infused with the fury of the war as well. So this thing yanks and pulls and snaps some of the chains. Because remember, we were saying how some of the, with all the fighting going around around the crawler forts, some of those crabs that were constantly shuffling and moving and being attacked were getting tired. It yanked on the chains, knocked a couple of them over, and snaps the chains. So, like, I think two of the chains get snapped. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. It took all six of them constantly to restrain this thing. Yeah. Now that it's down to only four, that's it. It's in charge. It just starts burrowing and just drags the crawler forts with it. Like, these things have no choice. They just get dragged with it. So I'm assuming everything on the like the fort itself is getting smashed through the dirt, yanked, ripped through. The people on it are getting killed. Like it, That's it. Boom. Done. Um. Then uh, this is where they throw in another battle plan. It's a three-player? Yeah, three different armies in the battle plans. And they do this a couple times in this particular section because it is three different armies. Uh-huh. But it's a three-way siege, which is like something that we could have never conceived in previous editions of this game. No. No, it actually was a pretty cool set of rules, yeah. Um, Then we get another one-page interlude. Um, Oh, and actually, that's the end of it, because that thing runs through, and guess what? Nobody gets this gate. Yeah, it just goes underground. Because chaos doesn't control it, um, and they can't grab a hold of it either, because it won't be controlled. Once it breaks no. through off those chains and drags those crawler forts with it, those crawler forts, everyone on it's dead. So that's it. There you go. Um, before we get to the next the next uh, story, though, the final, the fourth big battle. Um, and I did like this one because, wow, Gordrak, just unstoppable. Yeah. And they talk about just how he just smashes through everything and then just keeps going on to the next fight. Yeah. And like, I mean, literally I nothing slows really... him down here. There was no. not a thing here challenged him. This was, it was a decent fight. Like, okay, well, you know, we fought cool things. Hey, look, those Stormcasters. That's not what we're here for, though. Then I'm fighting this. Well, I don't know what he was there for. If the Stormcast was... didn't give him a challenge. I think he was there just based on the gathering of the Wah and Gork. Gamorka sent him there, and I'm willing to bet it was probably to, to unleash the chains from yeah. Fangathrax. Let that scream Again, out. The and... land will not be denied, or yeah. the the land will not be controlled. Yeah, this land is wild and won't be tamed and won't be controlled by. Yeah, that makes sense. Him getting out there and at that point just letting out that huge scream of war, like raising everything to a frenzy, including. That giant worm itself that pretty much brought it to an end. It was cool. It's a cool. It's a cool story. 
And when is it? Yeah, it's a different way to end it because, like, previously it's been like, you know, either chaos wins the gate or, you know, yeah, it's a win or a loss. This is a we had a good scrap. It's gone. We'll go on to the next one. Yeah, you ain't getting this one. You might as well leave. And it's like the only one. Gordrex like, yep, I don't want any of y'all here. Yeah, get out of my house. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Like I said, then you get this one page interlude, and you look, and it's like, what? So lightning pierced the gloom that hung over Gothazar. Its castle crypts and terminal spires guarded the end gate, the all points entrance to Shyish. Mighty were the walls of Gothazar, and many were the chaos defenders. Yet Sigmar believed the combined strength of his storm hosts fighting alongside Nagash's formidable forces could not have been stopped. Long did the anvils of the Heldenhammer await their oath-bound allies. When the armies of the dead did not arrive, the Stormcast attacked alone. They marched on Gothazar despite the betrayal, well short of the numbers they would need to take the realm gate. They fought like heroes, but there could only be one ending. To a warrior, they died in the gloom that hovered over the all-gate of Gothazar. Shyish is the land of endings even for promises and oaths. So we don't get this gate because Nagash never showed up again. And there's a great picture there. And if you look, it just kind of looks like a weird, I mean, this whole place, it just, it's like, it looks like a bunch of of a city built on bones. Uh, All of the big statues look like giant Nagash heads. But if you go and look really on the bottom, like on that giant road, is just tons of stormcast marching up this path to this yeah. gate. And there's a lot of them, but they all die. Yeah, and they're the black armored ones, so it's kind of hard to pick out exactly what they are until you get like really close at it. But yeah, yeah. it's really, it's really kind of disappointing. I mean. You understand that, you know, if it's just Nagash's way, he has to do it by himself and he can't accept help from anybody. That's just how he is. Right. So death they keep a... making plans with him and he keeps completely just stabbing them in the back. Because that's Nagash. Right. So he does that's it in his character for years. Like since his inception is just the guy that stabs people in the back, betraying people. And they have to keep giving him a chance because they need him. Mm-hmm. And the fact is he needs them, too, because he loses on his own a lot. But he doesn't like to admit he needs anybody. So He's a very petulant god of death. Yes, he is. So, uh, you know, I think we've only been going like 15 minutes. So let's just uh, jump into the next, uh, next one, Beneath the Arc of Flame. So we're back in the realm of fire. Uh, so we had so far a win, a loss, a draw, and now two unknowns and another loss, thanks to Nagash. So, okay, so two losses, a win, nobody gets one, two, nobody knows what's happened, and one is technically a win because the gates of Azir have never quite, never been opened to chaos. Right. So we've got two that are closed, yeah, basically to chaos. Okay. <sighs> There's only eight gates total, and so far of the seven, two are closed. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not that great. 
No. Uh, uh, no, two are closed, two we don't know. One nobody has. That's five. Oh, no, three are... No. You get... With where we're at now, the count currently stands at three unclaimed between all the parties. If you look at Shadow, Light, and Beast. Right. Chaos still has Metal and Death. And then uh, Order now has Life and Heavens. Yeah, so there's one left, and that's that's fire. Okay. Yep. So all this work and the odds are still kind of even. Great. Yeah, there's like the thing is, it's like losing the gate in beasts is still a loss to chaos in a way, but it's not exactly a win to order either. Right, so. chaos lost control of the gate, but we didn't gain control of the gate, so that one's still up for grabs. Right, and nobody knows who's got light or. Or shadow. Or shadow. <laughs> Great. Because reasons. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, we go to the realm of fire. Stormcast has freed a whole bunch of people and have secured dozens of realm gates. Um, and in this realm, it's the brim fire gate that leads to all points. Um, in fact, uh, what is it? The Bur- Battle of the Burning Skies. Uh, that's mentioned in, um, oh yeah, the Battle of the Burning Skies is mentioned as a battle that makes all the followers of Sigmar cast down their eyes. I'd like to know what that's all about. That was the one where Sigmar lost his hammer. Oh, okay, that's that one? Okay, was that the title? I did. I, I was like, I'm not going back and looking this one up. I, could, I, yeah, didn't, I, remember, I didn't recognize the name. I looked around just to make sure I got the right one, but that's the one where he lost his hammer and they had to flee. Oh, okay. So that's all right. So uh, around the Brimfire Gate, Corn erects the Brass Mountains. So yeah, Corn does not want to lose this. So he literally raises up the Brass Mountains, and then he reaches down and carves a chasm through everything. Uh, let me read this because this is just great. He doesn't just carve a canyon. He carves all the way through. So we've talked before about how a lot of these realms are like, like seeming like floating islands in space. So you've got a gate. He raises up a semicircle of mountains around it, and then behind the mountains, he basically takes his, you know, his his really elongated uh, pinky nail and sticks it in the ground and cuts a hole through space or through all the ground behind that. So there's a chasm that if you fall off it, you just fall off of the realm, you know, because that'll work. Um, right. So then, so yeah, so let's see. Um, the remains of the bellicose, uh, his, in his range, corn had leveled all, raising it with such fury nothing could ever grow there. On those fell barrens, the blood god erected the blast, the brass mountains to encircle the brimfire gate. Still not satisfied, took up his sword and cut a. Oh, it was a sword. Sorry, I thought it was his coke nail. Uh, and cut a chasm through all matter. To fall into that rift was to fall off the edge of the world. A single bridge spanned that black abyss, and it became known, leading, as it became known, leading to the pyre vault redoubt. A fortress raised to protect the Brimfire Gate. From that realm gate, Archeon and a steady stream of demons march forth to spread terror and carnage across Akshi. Uh, to seal the Brimfire Gate, Sigmar's armies would have to breach the castle, but the defenses of such an important realm gate was entrusted to no ordinary stronghold. 
Um, okay, so basically, this is kind of like uh, what is it? What's uh, what's the place in Lord of the Rings? Um, the castle with all the Minas Tirith. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, this is basically like Minas Tirith. You're going to have to go through, uh, like, you know, a castle, and then you get past that one, and there's another wall with a castle, and you get past that one, and you got another fortress. It's just fortress after fortress. And ironically, there's eight of them. Well, what a surprise. Yeah, and there's seven towers for the Nurgle realm, and I don't remember how many they had for the uh, Ironhold. But, yeah, so there's eight of these rings of fortresses that you have to get through. Yeah. And they're actually a really weird sort of thing. Cause like whether it's corn's magic before or after the Stormcaster are created, I'm not really clear about, but Sigmar can't throw the lightning to where it's got to go. It kind of deviates wildly. Well, yeah, because so, well, it's corn's anti-magic. So he can't use a magical toss to hit the spot because Magic sort of bounces away. Mm-hmm. So, so go ahead. Explain how this works because this is brilliant. So, if you know anything about physics, there's a little bit of insertion of like what actually happens. So, the six smiths craft these storm caller javelins and other lightning blessed weapons that the primes of like prosecutor teams or Knight's uh, Venator, essentially shoot and hit the ground, and then it acts as a lightning rod for Sigmar to throw the lightning down and drop the troops onto the bastions instead of trying to breach each successive castle, because that would be you know, a very monumental task, never mind like impossible if you're trying to do a lightning war. If you try to hit the, the first on one all and, and break your way through all eight, it's never going to happen. You've got to hit all of them at the same time or as close to it as you can. Right. So I'm going to throw down all my prosecutors at once, right in the front. And you're all just going to fly. and You each have a gate to get to. Mm-hmm. So as you fly, the first group, throw your throw your... Throw your storm collar javelin, hit your spot. I'll send down an army. You, the rest of you guys, just keep going, and you all have a gate to get to. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dangerous, crazy, risky, bold plan. Mm-hmm. And on the way, there's the prosecutor teams have been told, okay, once you get the javelins in place, start going after enemy commanders because. This is corn, so this is all bloodbound. They're kind of crazy. Okay, they're a lot crazy. And without leaders, they're not going to mount any sort of like organized defense because they're just going to want to brawl. So I want you to kill all of the command. And these Knights of Zeros are really good at playing the assassin game. So yeah, the Venators. Yeah, they're the Venators. Yeah, drop drop the javelin and just start shooting these guys. Um, Meanwhile. Uh, remember, Vandus got killed by Archeon in the last book. Um, him and his entire chamber are being reforged quick, fast, in a hurry. Because Sigmar needs him for a job. And he knows he's going to need him, that the job's going to be important. And so that entire chamber is getting the quick reforge. Um, so Sigmar throws the lightning straight down. These guys are doing their gig. They're doing the javelins. Um... And then 
So they get in and they go from gate to gate, but at the eighth gate, they're Scarbrand because yep. you know because if Archeon can't be there, just make sure Scarbrand is chained up. So yeah. he's in front of the eighth gate because, oh, and, and the, the rage thing with him that we saw in the last book, like he just gets angry and his anger is literally infectious. Yes. It goes off him in a wave that makes you crazy and makes you just, uh, you, you, it's, um, if you, if you can't, if you don't, don't, if you don't get it or if you can't picture it, if you've seen, uh, the Kingsman, that movie. Yes. It's like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. When they turn on that chip in the in the in the in the phone, and it makes mm-hmm. everybody just kill the like anything near them. That's yep. basically what being near Scarbrand make how it makes you react. And the angrier he gets, the larger area of effect that rage has. Mm-hmm. So it's, I was like, oh come on. So as as they get to different castles. Uh, getting to Scarbrand is so dangerous. You know what I'm saying? Five strike teams arrive to try and drop down and stop and get Scarbrand going. Um, two of them don't even obey orders. They're completely overcome with rage that's washing off Scarbrand, and they just plunge right into the fray and die. They don't do their hit and run. They just attack, and they're not made to just straight up attack in a fist fight. Uh, And so they die. Um, Scarbrand is not taking any harm. So these guys realize maybe they should attack the chains. Um, One shot, one of them shoots at one of those star-faded arrows, you know, the super arrow. Yep. Uh, that draw. Uh, it, he hits it with a perfect shot. Drat draws a lightning bolt down on it, and that still doesn't break it. But it turns white hot, and you know, white hot metal becomes soft. So Scarbrand sees that and starts yanking and pulling and tugging and yanking, and the link cracks and breaks. Once that one breaks, he turns around, pulls that arm free, grabs the chain on his other wrist with, with you know, with that free arm, and yanks with both arms against that. Boom! Pulls himself free. Once he's free, all of a sudden his axes, which he's been denied, magically appear in his hands because now he's not. Now that he's not in chains, he can have his weapons back, and he is. All sorts of crazy and ready to fight. And fight anything. Everything and anything. Scarbrand doesn't care. He has gone. Korn's punishment has really just basically turned him into the perfect killing machine. Well, actually, the almost perfect killing machine. He kills. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the imperfect portion is if you don't want him killing stuff of yours and stuff of yours is there. Then you're in trouble. Kind of like having him protecting a gate, which is great as long as he can't reach the gate. But now that he's free, anything coming through the gate is going to get destroyed before it knows what happened to it. Right. And Scarbrand can't fly. His wings are broken. So he is essentially contained in this little cage. So if he can't get out of this cage which he can't so he's gonna fight whatever 
is going to get put into that cage with him, which just happens to be any and all chaos reinforcements from the gate. (laughs) All right, so we're going to pick up from there when we get back, and we're going to wrap up the rest of this story uh, when we return. I'm preparing for some Christmas sharing, but I pause because hang in my stocking, I can hear knocking. Is that you, Santa Claus? Shoe is dark out, ain't the slightest spark out on my clacking jaw. Who's there? Who is it? Hey, folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right. Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. Explain why I'm shaking that way. Then I can see old Santa in the keyhole. I'll get to the car. One beacon I'll try there. Oh, there's an eye there. Statues and a clock. Please, And we are back. Scarbrand Unleashed and Mayhem Ensuing. Oh, yes. Oh, this this gets fun. It's always fun when you, you know, and they've just kind of been doing this the whole time. That's basically the only plan with Scarbrand is see if you can, you, you can't stop him. Let's see if we could just point him at the other guys. Yeah. Doesn't that just seem to be the plan like every time now when we see Scarbrand? The thing is, there's not been a good answer to him other than to try to point him in the right direction and hope that works. Yeah. I mean, even when they knocked him off the mountain, I mean, they had to knock him off the mountain. And then didn't he like, what did they do? They knocked him off the mountain and he smashed into something to get him to dissipate or go away or freak out. And the stones exploded, didn't they? Something like that. Yeah. That's right. The rage. Those. That's right. He was in like the. He was like in the middle of the Stonehenge thing, and that amplified his. 
Raged so bad that it killed all the Nurgle apathy, but it actually blew up all the stones which tore him apart to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you got to do. You got to put him in the middle of Stonehenge and blow up Stonehenge to have a chance to get rid of him. Th- that's just crazy. I mean, and I'm not and I'm not complaining. I mean, you look at all these guys. I mean, that's been one of the themes in this. I mean, Alariel is just running through stuff like she's at the height of her power. And it's like, get out of my way. You know, and the and the Glotkin are big and tough, and they just keep coming back. They didn't really stand a chance against Alariel, but they did their thing. Um, and in the second one, you've got you've got um, you know Dracothian fighting. What's the, what was the other? What was it? What was his Argentine? Name? Argentine. Um, you got Archeon showing up, and like every time Archeon shows up, it's game over. Right. I mean, that's, that's just it. Archeon. I mean, there's it's 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 almost a cheat. In the book, I mean, when Archeon shows up, it's not like Archeon's going to lose. You know, it's just like you're all dead. Okay, Archeon's here. Um, you know, third battle, you've got Gordrak, who's just become like a. I mean, he is. You know, didn't wasn't that in in his backstory? Some of the some of the orcs say he's he's that uh, Gorkamorka was punching something, and a, yeah, Gorkamorka punched a statue of Archeon. And his favorite knuckle broke off, and that from bit that of knuckle, knuckle, Gorjak sprouted, fully formed, ready to chop and hack. Yeah, so he's literally in in, in their little lore. You know, they, they these people think he might be a literal piece of Gorkamorka. That's how just insane. And I, I I'm kind of loving it. Like, you know, when they first started coming out with these really just huge models. You the know, huge over-the-top type characters, yeah. Right, and it was like, oh, how does this fit in? And it's like, now everyone's kind of getting one, and it's like, well, when is this going to stop? When's the next biggest ridiculous thing coming out? But story-wise, this is so much fun. Yeah, and it's a lot different, because like, in previous editions, we've had so many special characters running around and just doing this, that, and the other thing. It's a lot less now, so they can make these big characters a lot more like you can focus your attention on them and really see their development and what they can do. So yeah, it's you really only got a shift. one or does anyone have two like character characters, like big uh, characters? I mean, maybe they got someone uh, I can't even think of. Well, I mean like death has Nagash and the three more Tarks. Okay. Right. Um, but that was for has got the old stuff. Right. Kin and the triplets. Um, but like as far as like the new big em ups, I mean, as far as like a named character, I mean the Prime and Alarial, but that's essentially two different armies. That's two different armies, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no one's really got a bunch except for Chaos. Chaos has arguably the most special characters. That are still in canon. Right. And part of that is that once again, one if you're if you're literally I mean, some of these are demons and stuff. If you're a, a part of the god's essence, no matter how many times you kill you, you just come back. I mean, Valkyrie yeah. doesn't have to go anywhere. Valkyrie can just keep showing up. You know, things like Same that. Same with Scarbrand. And... Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not Valkyrie. Valkyrie is not really over the top and not this giant supermodel thing. I mean, no. but just I mean these big like godlike models and stuff. It's they they're not going crazy. There's not twenty named characters you can get per 
per army anymore, like you said. So it's not. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm having there's like this theme running through it. These these are the, you know, it's it's it, they're really bringing in the 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 movers and shakers of of the world here, in these yeah. things. And it's one of those things I think they're like just okay off topic, but they're encouraging you to develop your own stories by having fewer of these big named characters you're encouraged to create your own narrative because like they took you know the generic lord celestin on a jacket that is now vandis hammerhand or the mighty lord of corn is corgus cool or even the generic lord of plagues was ranslug the guy that almost got alarial and by almost i mean he didn't stand a chance but he tried really hard right so yeah, I mean, does anybody play? I mean, in the in the box when I bought the box set for the game, I mean that that says it was Vandis Hammerhand on the on the Dracoth. I mean, but I don't know anybody who plays it as Vandis Hammerhand. Can you play it as Vandis Hammerhand? Vandis has no has no rules other than Lord Celestin on a Dracoth with a Tempestus hammer. Uh, uh, oh yeah, so if you yeah, if you just that's it, you take him with a Tempestus hammer, and that's yeah, it doesn't. The thing is, they've made it so it doesn't need to be complicated, and they're taking these pseudo-generic characters and making them special by giving what is a generic rules-wise character an awesome backstory and make them do stuff and not just it has to be a special character to move mountains. Yeah, that's what I thought, because I was looking the other day. I was like, does anyone play this as Vandus? And I'm going through saying, was there even rules for Vandus in the original, like in the booklet that came with the box set i'm looking i'm saying i don't no. think there is no it's just a lord celeste on that's all it is and that's all it needs to be yeah exactly no i agree with you 100 percent. it's it's this is the generic character and just and you can do the same thing with your army when you're playing give it a name yeah in fact the dude who does the um the scroll builder the guy who's got that that he's working on yeah that, he just released that that is i saw that on twitter today and I, I thought that was awesome i was so happy when i said that he's like nah, now you can add in uh you can unit add names. names to your characters and your units and stuff like that to give it that flavor I'm like that's just that's just great and like you said you're yeah it is it's totally off topic we should get back to what we were talking about but um Worth mentioning. No, it is. It is absolutely because you don't need all that stuff then. And then you really keep it to the few, like you said, like the gods, the, the, the world shakers. Yeah. That there can only, that there, the, this can literally only be one of these things. There's lots right. of Lord Celestins. There's no need to make any special Lord Celestin character rules because they're all pretty much Lord Celestin. Paint them up a little different. But they all pretty much, you know, in 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 all intents and purposes, they're the same thing. So, but you yeah. create who they are. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Shock! Who would have thought that might actually like carry something? <laughs> but anyway, I don't need a special rules card for every single model I own. Okay. So, all right. So here we are, armies of the heavens. Okay. So, Nones the Stormcast Eternals are thrown all of Sigmar's. Okay. Uh, no, the Stormcallers storm are all thrown. All of Sigmar's forces are ready. Uh, and the. Uh, for the. You know, the Allgate Warren actually is launched. This is the last one, actually. All the other ones were launched, and this one hadn't started yet. This is the only war that started late, you know, basically. 
Um, and could they, I think part of it was they're still they're still reforging Vanda's hammer hand and all of these guys. Like they're like we need to take this one, and it's going to be a difficult job. So get everything else going, and then let's focus on making this work. Um, right. And Vandis, you even say it's Sigmar puts a little extra attention on Vandis, so he definitely needed some extra time to cook in the oven. Yeah, because he said so. something to him, and then he went back onto the anvil, which was weird because it's like his soul started getting hammered back into shape or into something because they started describing how it was getting stretched and pulled again. I was like, ooh, goodness. Yeah, he's putting a lot of effort into Vandis, uh-huh. which, I mean, he's he's the guy. Let's be honest. He's the He's the guy yeah. beside the prime. So he's going to put a little extra attention onto him, but then we'll really kind of see exactly what Vandis is made of. Yep. So um, let's see. When they launch it, it's over 100 different storm hosts. Over 100 storm hosts are thrown at this. More than any other. All of the chambers of the hammers of Sigmar are there. Every chamber from the hammers is there, plus other storm hosts. When they land, the Fire Slayers come up through the ground and join them. Because don't forget, uh, Sigmar uh, Sigmar did pay them a lot. And it wasn't just for the realm of metal. Right. Um, And plus, this is their home. They're going to want to fight in this fight, you know? Right. Um, Battle is fighting in the first seven castles. Nobody gets off a Stormcaller on the 8th. No. Because of all the problems with going with Scarbrand. Scarbrand is free and causing uh, causing rage to the point where the 8th and 7th castles are crazy free-for-alls at this point. Like, there is no organized fighting in Castle 7 or 8. If you are in there, you are in that Kingsman phase like we were talking about. Like that scene in the church. You are just killing everything and anything within 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 hand's reach. Uh, the blood flowed, the rage swelled, um, and that that woke up Ignax. You all remember Ignax, right? You remember him, don't you? I do. Uh, apparently, after all of that raging and fighting and the stuff that went on in book three, uh, it, remember how, how Ignax flared up real hot during all that fighting? Apparently, that sort of wore him out. You burn that hot, you cool off a bit. So Ignax laid himself down, like, underneath the the castles here, like in the lava flows. Yeah. Sort of to gather up that energy and, and, and recharge. Um, so he wakes up and stretches, starts to stretch and go, and he goes, stretches over, through, and across both castles 7 and 8, and she's only at about half her strength, um, but she's joining the fight. At this point, she's annoyed because she basically got woken up and she's not even near her full like length. She has just started to stretch out and she's pulling out through castle seven and eight. Um, What's going on? Let's see. Uh, I think it's the first keep. They basically the hammers, draconis, extremist chamber smashed through everything. Uh, Scrathex, the bloodthirster. Kills the last... Okay, yeah. They smash through everything, and there's still some blood warriors left, and they smash through that first castle keep like you wouldn't believe. You get to the second one, and that's where you got this bloodthirster uh, Scrathax there, and the blood warriors who survived the first one and have run for the second gate to help reinforce that one because the first one's lost, that bloodthirster's so annoyed, he kills them all. 
just like, get out of here. Nobody runs. Yeah. Everybody fights. Exactly. He kills them out of shame and goes after the Dracothian Guard, and he kills a lot of them until Lord Celestine Imperius shows up on his Star Drake, and they challenge uh, Scrathex. Um, you know, and then that battle's going to go on. Uh, Vandus, I like how they talk about Vandus being the vi- the difference between victory and defeat at a lot of these places. Um, it's interesting here, and I don't know if this was the extra time they spent cooking on him, like you said, but wherever Scarbrand's rage was making people start fight like maniacs, and it, it took over some of the Stormcast at some point, too. The Stormcast would start to lose control. Wherever Vandus went, that hold like fell off. Like he would rush in and tell his Stormcast to fall in line and link shields and, and basically the discipline that had been instilled in them. Scarbrand's rage was not getting to Vandus, and when he called them to to get their to, to you know to remember their discipline and remember their training, they did. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of cool. It was like he can't. He not only couldn't he affect Vandas, but Vandas could keep from anyone around him from being affected as well. He was like, nope, not happening. You're not falling to battle madness while I'm standing here. Right. Um, and he shows up at gate five, so he's not even at gate one or two. He right. is already stuck in the middle of it. Yeah, in fact, I think I had some of the castles wrong. I think those guys that we were talking about were a little farther because it says the Fire Slayers took the first castle down pretty much by themselves, made it to the second. Oh, they, they made it to the second in time to see Imperius smash uh, Scrathex. So all of that stuff must have been happening at the first castle. That's when mm-hmm. he smashed through, and then Scrathex got mad and smashed them all. Um, you get to the third keep. That's when Ignax is stretched all the way down to the third keep now. Uh, that's when he pops his head up, leans over, and scorched thousands to instant death. So there's a lot of guys there. But you see what I'm pointing at? Um, and so let's see. Oh, Doric Claimblade is there. You guys, are, if you remember Doric Claimblade, he's the guy who put that, who hammered that rune into Ignax. Hoping or not, he didn't hammer the rune, but he's the one who made the rune. Yep, that got hammered into it. Uh, he has the the matching rune, the binding rune uh, that basically the 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 one that you know whoever's holding that controls the one that's in Ignax, and he's got it. So he's going to try it, but they have to go all along her body. So they start basically running down the length of her body, trying to get close to her head. Where the where the thing is, so that they can actually try to control her. This is kind of cool. You're gonna have one of these guys try to control an actual god beast. Yeah, and they get up close to her um, on high ramparts near her head, um, and he actually takes control over the god beast. Yes, and commands her to what is it? Here attack everything that's not a Stormcast Eternal or a Fire Slayer, basically, right, isn't it? Yeah, picking out the orderly Stormcast battle line, the Rune Smiter willed the God Beast to incinerate the hordes of chaos and anything else that wasn't a Fire Slayer or Stormcast Eternal. Yeah. So she breathes and just obliterates just 
I mean, we saw how huge this thing was. It was like Archaon, who dwarfs these things in his size, is just like in front of her eyeball. You know, so she's enormous. She's monstrous. She's horrifying. And this little Dwarden dude is like, yep, your will is mine. And mm-hmm. she fights him. She is not happy. No, nothing that size of that age wants to be controlled by anything. No. And, uh, he, but he does, and he, she just scorches everything. It's awesome. Now, we do get another time of war here, and this is if you want to fight at the Brimfire Gate. Now, the one fighting at the in the realm of metal wasn't well. You know, remember it was very you know sort of chaos leaning, um, and you can someone. This one is crazy. Uh, fighting at the Brimfire Grate is nuts. You got Scarbrand's Fury ca- Table because Scarbrand's there. Um, you can actually try at one point in the game to summon Ignax, or to, mm-hmm. and uh, if you do it, then every turn, let's say you you basically keep rolling. And if you've got Ignax under control, Ignax keeps burning up legions of your enemies. Um, but the minute you fail to control Ignax, she flies away and you die. Yep. And even as Borgrimner, or I know, Doric is making her do things, he's aging. Like, the life force is literally being drained out of him. Yes. To try to control this yeah. god beast. Yep. And he can only get her to breathe on things twice. Yeah. After that, she And he ages like hundreds of years. He turns from strong and powerful to ancient and withered, and he has no more strength to keep going with her. Yeah. And they eventually clear their way all the way to the sixth castle, and the seventh castle, uh, which is the blood comb, um, there's flaming walls and it's, you know, impossibly thick and something that I caught that a lot of people may not have is written here. It's on page 226. It's built on corn's demand by the dark children of Heshut. The yeah. bloodcombs walls were impossibly thick. That's chaos, Dwarden. So yeah, the children of Hashut, those are the chaos dwarves. Yep. Yeah, and for new listeners, Heshut is the god of the Chaos Dwarves. It's uh, the bull-faced god. I believe it's like darkness and fire and all that sort of stuff. So that's who these guys are, and we've not seen them yet, but this is like a very clear indicator that they are alive and present in this world. Yeah, and I'm glad because I like them. They're cool. And I hope that they they start mentioning them a little more because, I mean, they've got rules to play them and stuff on the Forge World site. I'd hate to see them get completely ignored in the stories. So like just, they have been previously. I mean, and this is just a mention of their handiwork. This isn't even a mention of them showing up or doing anything. Yet. This is just that they've built stuff at some point in the past. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see these guys show up. Absolutely. Um. So... You know, that Ignax shot basically brings down the sixth fortress. Uh, the lord of that fortress runs to the seventh fortress. Um, at the seventh fortress, you got one bloodthirster and his bloodletter legion. That's all that's left is a legion of bloodletters with the bloodthirster. Lord Carr shows up. There are no reinforcements coming. There's nothing else, and that's bad. 
Well, that's um, all Scar brand. Yeah. There's no reinforcements coming. He's like, where's all the reinforcements? He expected to get there and just find tons of reinforcements coming out of the Brimfire Gate, and there's none. And he's like, well, where is everybody? Why isn't anybody here? So he's like, that's it. Lock the walls. Shut it down. Close everything. Um, and that's what, as you said, built by the, the children of Hashut. Um, and that's when Ignatz, that's the second shot is when he burns that up. So I'm, I'm kind of rehashing here. I, I didn't realize I was. Um, that's yeah, that's the second shot. Boom. And that's it. Um, and that's now we got the Battle of Hell Breach. Yeah. Um, the, I think it's her third shot is what it is. If she shoots through and Doric had to like really fight her to get her to do it. Oh, okay. So um, it wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't think we so, talked. Yeah. Yeah. Her third and final shot um, goes through the impossibly thick walls of the blood comb and that creates hell breach. And then after that, she's released on the master of binding and she flies away um, and kind of buries herself underneath a mountain because she wants to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they all kind of want to be left alone. That's the thing. If we don't mess with them, they will just stay and sleep and live in this place. Um, three big blasts of fire like that. She was only at half strength to begin with. She's tired again. Oh, yeah. So it all comes down to this battle now. You got Stormcast fitting 30 wide in the gap, Bloodletters attacking, crowding into the space. Um, and it talks about how the Stormcast are fighting for justice and righteous vengeance, powered by Sigmar. The minions of Corn are fighting with hatred and bloodlust. Um, you know, liberators are dying. Retributors are pushing through. Lord Carr is pushing back. All this is going on. Um, Imperius is winning until Scarbrand comes up and cuts him in two, which is just aces him. Yeah. Just swoop, scamp, gone. Uh, and then the rest of the extremist chamber, uh, and, the whole extremist chamber. Just Scarbrand's like, you're all gone. All of you. Dead. And then Vanda's Hammerhand shows up and he's like, that's right, you and me, Scarbrand. And you're like, what? Man, you got killed by Arcan. Now you want to get killed by Scarbrand? Come on. You What are you picking out all the big names to get killed by? Um, You get a battle plan in here, but who cares, whatever. Uh, Vanda's Whoops on Scarbrand. Yep. Um, Surprise upset of the book. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't even describe the fight really. No. Other than it was a duel between two champions. But yeah. It's like when he smote Scarbrand, it was a blow to end all blows. The sound as if a thunderclap had broken the world. And. Yeah. There goes Scarbrand. Um, that's it, and that's it. That they took, they they've got it. They've they once Scarbrand was gone, they were able to. They've got this. Uh, they were able to close this gate. So now mm-hmm. they've they've three are closed. So the good guys have closed three. Um, two of them are still held by Archeon. Two of them, nobody knows what's going on. And one is uh, somewhere under the sands uh, being pulled in the throat of a giant worm. Yeah. Totally okay. We actually come out way ahead in this. 
from Order Ar- does, yeah. Yeah, from Arcan. Well, I mean, let's face it. Nobody owned Light and Shadow pretty much, it seems, at all. Because I remember reading in one of these things where Archeon was sending people and nobody was coming back. Yeah, he had sent like a hundred armies and nobody returned. Yeah, so like nobody owns those two. Like that, so there's really only six that were under anyone's control, and basically, it was five were owned by Archeon, and one us. And now, of those remaining six, it's two Archeon, three us, and one nobody. So that's a huge blow to Archeon. Yeah, it's a very big swing. I mean, that went from him controlling six, five of six realm gates to two of six realm gates. And from us controlling one of six realm gates to three. So that's, yeah, that's just, that's a big swing in uh, um, in power. So, yeah, Genesis gate closed, Brimfire gate closed, Azir's closed. So, that's great. Um, and then there's a, a little bad end here. Uh, and the Gaunt Summoners are still planning stuff going on in the Silver Tower. Got to mention that right at the end for reasons. Yeah, it definitely, this book definitely paid the way for like a Zinch Arcanite release coming up. Um, right. Because, I mean, with the 40K Zangors also being AOS primary, it looks like, based on the sprues, um, this is definitely a foreshadowing for an Arcanite release. Um, and then, obviously, we've seen the rumor engine for the Steamhead Dwarden. So yep. there's a lot coming down the pipe, and I know things have been kind of quiet on the release front. But Well, I mean, it's... it's- got to give 40k a chance to get some of their stuff out now it's going to be a little quiet for about a month i'm excited for january i'm excited to see because you know something's going to be coming out either yeah they have a lot to cover and this when this book uh came out it was kind of right at the end with the summer campaign and order just crushed the global campaign just absolutely drove it in um I was really kind of okay with the result, not just because I was playing order for that campaign, but also this is going to help us move on to new worlds and see what the rest of these realms look like instead of being stuck ish in the realm of life. Right. So, yeah. Cause if they had lost that and things had gotten, if they gotten mired into there, that would have been just more stories having to free that up by, by being such a decisive victory. Mm hmm. Yeah, hopefully that opened up the opportunity to get to that other stuff quicker. Yeah, absolutely. But I, just, I love how this is a constantly growing story now because it can be because it doesn't really affect. You know what's really funny is there are other systems that have a constantly ongoing story, but then they're constantly having to rewrite their characters because as their characters are changing and growing, they're having to rewrite yeah. and come out with new models for them and new characters. And we're still in early stages, obviously, so there might, you know, you, you never know. You might get a new Celestin Prime thing or a Celestin Ultra Prime or whatever. But um, you don't need to for this game. You can run this story and, and tell it and have all sorts of cool things happening. And, you know, we're releasing some new models now because this new stuff's coming out. You know, we've reached a new thing in a new area. Here's some new stuff. But for the most part, you can just keep telling this. It doesn't have to be static. 
No. No, it's the way the storyline has kind of taken it, it does follow a little more along lines of like um kind of like how Malifaux has done things, how War Machine and Hordes have gone with that continuing to progress storyline. Whereas with previous editions, we were kind of in the same story loop. Yep. So yep. this is definitely following along the lines, I think, of where the community and gaming in general is heading, where it's not just you're in the cycle, you are really forging the story and moving forward, which is very refreshing. No, 100%. From what we had. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, why don't we take a break? And then when we come back, we'll wrap up. I know we wanted to talk um, one or two, of the, at least one of the times of war. Um, and I know you and I have played a couple of these uh, these battle plans. So we will just you know mention one or two of those that we played and what we thought, and then uh, and then wrap it up and finish off for the year, so we can go and enjoy our Christmas. So uh, let's do that as soon as we come back. Cool. Sounds great. All right. Hacking his way through the press of combat, Vandus rode out of the breach into the nightmare scene of Scarbrand Triumphant. To the Lord Celestant, it was an epiphany, as clear as any vision. Before him stood explained the unaccountable rage and the lack of reinforcements from the Brimfire Gate. Sound the horns, shouted the Lord Celestant. When no sound came, he turned to see his flanking Knight's Heralder staring at the greater demon that loomed before them. I understand your fear, Vandus said, and I do not say that it is wrong. There comes a beast, the beast, as horrible as anything we could ever have dreamed of seeing. But we have been reforged. Vanquishing evil is what we were made for. He spoke now to all the hammer hands that filed behind him. His voice rose louder still. Leave him to me, said Vandus. Avenge me if I fall, but listen well, my brothers. Today, against this foe, I will not fall. Be just and fear not, for is not Sigmar our lord and maker? With that, Vandus turned, spurring Kalanax forward, although his Dracoth did not need to be told, having listened and approved of every word his rider had spoken. Small, Vandus seemed, against the red rage of the demon, but bright his hammer shone. To thundering trumpet blasts he rode, and even the gods watched on. We are back. Quick and quick, fast in a hurry. Don't worry, flavor vision ain't blurry. Um, all right, so you really went there. You really I went there. I did. I went there. Oh man! You know why? Because I can. Yep. And that's basically the only reason to do it, not because it was good. Because it wasn't. No. Nope. Um. Any event. So, <laughs> um, one of the big things that you get out of these books are all the times of war. Um. So there are a few of those you wanted to go back to. You know what? Like, you know, there's just 
a lot of the other ones give you a time of war, and it's if you want to play in that place. And we have that one here. You've got the in the realm of fire, uh, you know, at at that realm gate. You can play it at the realm gate in the in the land of metal. But they've got this. Uh, if you're playing a campaign, you can get battle traits. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you decide to fight in a campaign before the first game, you are allowed to make a roll to get a general's battered battle trait, uh, and then you get something for that. So. I mean, that's just an interesting thing. You can come back to that and add that in for just about any campaign, for anything. Add that in as an extra layer, not just the only layer. Yeah, it's quite brilliant what they've done with that aspect of the game. Yep. Is that you can take the parts and pieces that you like and interdisperse it amongst other things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can mix and match however you want. But that's a great one that can just kind of go in as a bit to it. Um, where's that other one that I want to look at? You're talking about the Realm of Beasts one, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, here we've got this time of war. Um, now, this one, I'm just going to read through this real quick with Regiments of Renown. Uh, you're fighting a campaign. After each game, you're allowed to make a roll on the Regiment of Renown table. Pick a unit that took part in the battle that still had at least one model remaining. If they get wiped out, they're not exactly a Regiment of Renown. They have to survive the battle. Uh, pick a unit that's not already a regiment of renown if there are if there any are available to be selected. So you can't just keep giving it to the same unit. Um, but if everything that survived is, then you can pick that one. You, you know, if that's all that's left, then you can pick it. So you can have regiments that get even more experience. Having picked a unit, roll a dice. Look up your roll on the renown table. The ability rule applies for the unit for the rest of the campaign. However, the same result cannot be applied to a unit more than once. Uh, if you can't uh, apply a result, then the roll is wasted. On a roll of one or six, the regiment, you may allow you to roll again on a specialist regiment table. The specialist tables have restrictions that apply to them. You can only roll on the table if the unit you are rolling for conforms to the table restrictions. So, like on this one... On a one, it says, if the unit you are rolling for is a hero or monster, add one to a wound characteristic for all other units. Roll again on one of the specialist tables. So uh, if they're shooty, uh, a foot unit with a save of five, six, or dash, foot unit with a save of three, four, or five, mounted unit with a save of five, six, or dash, mounted unit with a save of three, four, or five. So that's basically how they break it down. So... You know, the Cavalry Spearhead, the Outriders Regiment. You know, Outriders have a less of a save than the Big Cavalry Spearhead. Heavy Infantry, a foot unit with a better save than the Scouts with the Crummy Save. And the Marksmen are Missile Troops. And then you roll and they all get specialized bonuses. Um, and that's great. And if you don't roll a 1 or a 6, then your basic regiment, what you'll most likely get, plus 1 to hit. In combat. In combat, plus one to wound in combat, plus one to save in combat, or plus two to your bravery characteristic. So it's adding to your combat phase, bonuses, or to your bravery, or else you can roll in other things. And once it goes into those other, if you roll in the specialty things, that's where it can go out of the combat phase. Because obviously if if you roll and it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, if it, they have missile weapons and you roll on that table, though, that that stuff all affects the shooting phase. Um, and then, you know, 
But it's really cool because if you if you've already picked the unit, you know that 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 unit it may fall under more than one category. Mm-hmm. So, but then you you pick which one it is and you roll for it. So there's I just like that a lot. Um, I've always liked campaigns where you can earn experience and and build your troops up. Um, I know some people don't like it because it can throw the game out of balance really quick if any one player gets you know too good of a bonus or some players don't get bonuses but with this one basically everybody i don't think you even have to win it's just at the end of the game yeah everybody levels up everybody gets a unit to level up if you lived you the only way you don't get a unit to level up is if you get completely tabled Mm-hmm. So as long as you don't get completely tabled, somebody's getting some experience. Somebody's getting something cool, um, and I think that's awesome. Those are so the times of war in this book, and like I said, the other two we already mentioned. You're the, those are playing at those realm gates, and you're either chaos summoning up uh, the the one dragon, or you're the forces of good, and you're summoning up Ignax and trying to uh, control that. So. Um, there's just a lot of fun going on in this particular, these particular times of war. Totally make, um, it's it's that's one of the things that make this particular book worth it. Are the times of war in this book are, in my opinion, more fun for uh, a longer series of games than than the stuff in the other books. Agreed, absolutely. So let's see which which. Uh, which of these battle plans are we going to talk about? Um, well, we should probably talk about the two that we played. Yeah, um, which ones were those? It was a while. Uh, it was ago. the two and the hunt for the swamp beast. Um, in the realm of life. Oh, was that uh, the deadly hunt? The deadly hunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we played that one. Um, you had borrowed my stormcast, um, and I was using my uh, greenskins. Oh, that's right. And Oh, this battle plan is weird because you start off the table and you set up six points on the table and you're trying to find which one of these points is the Swamp Beast, so Pustral, or is another random creature in the Shoals. And, like, it only happens on a seven, so that's the number of markers that have been explored plus a d6, and if the number is 7, ironically enough, because it's Nurgle, um, then it pops out, along with all of the other monsters that haven't been placed yet. Well, when you're supposed to play with a lot of monsters, so we've got about a dozen... Like we pull out everything that I've got sitting around, which is a bunch of monsters, a couple of... You know, a couple of the... Um, the and we weren't doing, like, strict, like, chaos monsters or strict Nurgle monsters or whatever. We were playing with a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, we were playing with what I had sitting around. So we had, you know, we had a Chimera, we had a Manticore, but we also had the... Um, a couple Terrorgeist. Terrorgeist, yeah. I mean, just anything that was there. Um, yeah, we had a Vargulf. I mean, if it was... and I, I, I don't think that's actually technically a monster anymore. No, it's not. But we thought it was. It looked like one. We put it on the table. You know, we put it aside. We made sure... we. I think we had like 13 or 14 monsters because I said I have at least two for every... Spot yeah, on the board. there was a lot. So, like you said, you have to roll a seven, 
with the roll of your dice plus the number of places you've explored, including the one you're currently exploring. No, no, no. It wasn't that. It was the fir- It's the number that you've already explored. So, like, you got the first one. Oh, that's right. You can't roll a seven on a D6 plus zero. So I get to my first marker, and it's, yeah, you just got to roll a six, and everything pops up. And then, sure enough, Alex for once pops a six when he's not supposed to. All the monsters are right in my Grizz, and you get to place them. So it was just it did not end well well we split them out we were working as a team because we have to wipe them all out but you know it's just one of those things where we're we're both yes we're working together to wipe out these monsters but you know the guy who wipes out the most monsters and has the most guys surviving at the end wins so i'm yeah and you had to kill the the great unclean one and yeah, as soon as he popped up, I didn't get anything really on him, and then you just shot him out from underneath me, and I could not make a five-up save to save my life. So, yeah, yeah. it was over very, very totally. quickly. Yeah, that was bizarre, though. I mean, we literally found him the soonest we could find him, and um, I got a couple of lucky rolls and took the great unclean one out really fast and, and won that game. Uh, yep. I had bogged you down with the other monsters, basically – slowing you down so that you couldn't get to him as quick as I could. Yeah. Um, I didn't take a lot of guns, so that was part of my problem. I didn't have a lot of guns. I just happened to hit really well with them that day. Yeah, you did. So that yeah, was, did. That, was that, that wasn't a bad game. It was just like, wow, that I don't think that was supposed to happen that way. No, it wasn't, but what are you going to do? And then uh, what was the last one we played? Because there's the other ones one... in here. Yeah, we played a key to victory. So that's on uh page 74. Right. Um 75. So this one you're essentially like taking like a little war band and you're trying to sneak into the enemy encampment to get to an objective. Um and we weren't using points or any sort of like comp cuz the whole comp of it is you use the minimum size unit of a war scroll. So if it says like a war scroll is five or more models, it's you're taking in units of five and you can only take up to five units. One right. of which has to be a hero. Right. So you used your death army and I took the storm casts and, um, this is one of those that I think we did kind of like the accidental. Yeah. I, well, you, you had your storm cast, your guys, and they were on foot and I had, um, a s- small unit of the the crypt horrors, which can move six inches, and I had a couple of guys on horse. Yeah, back. you had a unit of blood knights. They yep. weren't black knights; they were blood knights. Yeah, um, and some spirit hosts, and uh, can't remember the other thing that you took. Um, but everything just could move. Yeah. So, um, and then you had a vampire on a horse, and I forget what else you took. I, I mean, that it, was it. The, that was the fifth unit, wasn't it? No, you had a fifth one in there. I can't remember what it was for the life of me. Oh, Hexwraiths. Um, oh, the stupid ghosts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because you yeah. were thinking you needed something to like, really punch through Stormcast armor, even though they crumple like paper. Um, so, I mean, I had a knight questor because I wanted to play with him and see what he did. And he almost made it until he physically <laughs> could not move. Because he was surrounded by so many models, but 
Uh, yeah. What happened was basically though the, the biggest problem there was I had to get to that 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 spot on the board, which is pretty far away, and I'm just so used to always playing with you know armies on foot that are slow that I'm like you I were defending. Oh, that's right, I was defending. Yeah, you wanted to take stuff that hit hard to counter my four up save, and I just couldn't kill anything of yours. Oh, that's right, because I had the I had the spirit hosts and I had the other stuff, but those things that could move quick. So no matter where you went, my guys were able to get there. That's what it was. Yeah. So. so I mean, it was one of those things that. Yeah, I was a jerk. <laughs> no, it wasn't even. No, I mean, you were a jerk. It's just we were trying to do. I originally took Manfred on a horse, and you're like, Manfred? I was like, oh, you're not taking the Celestin Prime? You're like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then I'll go put Manfred back. I'll just yeah, take a no, guy I was. A horse. No, I was trying to play more like to the, like the narrative styling and just try to do something different. But it's one of those things that, like, we did not have the best conversation discerning our list before not we started playing the game. So that was a boo-boo on all of on the two of us. But I'll take the heat for that because your list was normal and mine was like, hey, I'm going to take this stuff that's going to be way better than yours. Yeah. But in any event, I mean, it was still fun, and it's a good starter plan because it doesn't require a lot of models to play a fun and tactful game. Yeah. So... Yeah, I definitely like minimum size units was, was fun. That was the other thing that was quick grab was they were that just happened. Part of it was honestly that was that's on my shelves in the front because that's the stuff that was just like it's hard to put that stuff back in the case. Sure. Because the guys with all the spears sticking out like it's all the fiddly stuff that doesn't want to go away. So it's sitting on the shelf and I'm like, oh, I can grab five of this, five of this, five of this, three of this, three of this. I'm done. Yep. And it was sitting there. So I just grabbed it all. It's like if I would have known, I wouldn't have been such a I wouldn't have grabbed such such harsh stuff. But. It was there, and it was easy. It's uh, all right. But, man, you know, and that's just a couple of the scenarios. There's a lot of cool scenarios in here. The three-person siege battle, try to hold on to the different points is a really good one. Um, the the two-foot by eight-foot board where you're running the gauntlet and the death gorge. Yeah. If you got enough monsters, that's probably one of the coolest scenarios in the book. Yeah. Every one of these is really just really great um narrative uh based scenarios in here which are just and they're they're really good ones so all in all this this all gates book is is uh, is is a win on like oh, just yeah. about every level absolutely yeah I, I i couldn't be more pleased with it i really couldn't it was just fantastic so that, and that's the end of the Realmgate uh, Wars series thing going on here. So just in time for next month to get a new series starting because I, I, I've got a feeling in my gut that we're going to get a new series starting. I mean, I know when I talked to the guys from the GW community at Gen Con, you know, they said there would be a new series starting next year. Um I, I, you know, they didn't say January. Nobody said January, but it's been a few months since the story's progressed, and I just, I got this feeling that the story's about to move again. I was yeah. excited. Yeah, and they're smart. They know they need to strike while the iron's hot before oh, yeah. things start to cool down. So, well, and they've had a lot going on, but now that it's all going on, I mean, especially with Warhammer TV and stuff like that being up. 
You get oh, that yeah. new story out, and you start. And they've already started some of that narrative campaigning. You can drop stories in right from that new stuff and show people what's what. It's going to be good. So, uh, hold on, I got to grab my sheet here. But Alex, hey, listen, thank you so much for coming on and uh, going through this book with me. And folks, I know we didn't go through the War Scrolls. Um, we, I mean, I suppose we could have looked at the. I suppose we could look at the. They do have some of those uh, War Scroll battalions, but I mean, and they're not bad. I mean, there's a bu- there's a few in here that are pretty cool, but I just I didn't want to sit and start focusing on you know going through and reading the rules for all eleven of them. Yeah, when we're trying to focus more on like the story and where right. it's going, as opposed to the rules for battalions. Um. So, I mean, like, we've talked, like, with, like, the book reviews, we go into, like, all the scrolls and stuff like that. For this one, we definitely, I think, did the right choice in doing more of, like, advancing the story and talking about how and what is in this book besides just different ways to play with your models. Right. I mean, and all the stuff in the back, I mean, all of the character, all of the regular war scrolls are stuff that's been found in other other things. Or it's on the app for free. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm just like I said, I'm kind of flipping through and I'm looking at them. And it's like a lot of this is really sort of story specific. Yeah. The Stormcast formations, a lot of them are like the hunt team from what you're supposed to do with like the hunt for the deadly hunt scenario, trying to find a pustrel where you can take like just a bunch of prosecutors and a knight. Venator, and they can move really quick, and they can retreat and charge in the same turn. Okay, that's all great, but okay. Um, and then there's one where you get to use the storm callers, which is really cool. But I don't know. It's just they're very thematic and they're very specific. And in a normal game of Age of Sigmar, they would be excessive. Uh, there's a reason a lot of this stuff isn't been pointed. Hasn't been pointed. Correct. Because most of that stuff's not. It's not really designed. Yeah, it's not designed for necessarily competitive play. I mean, look at this plague cohort. Here's an okay. Here's just an example, right? Okay, this is for uh, Pustrel, the Pox Behemoth. This is his plague cohort. So um, you got to have one GUO, three units of plague bears, three units of plague drones, and three units of nurglings. Okay, if you have that. Then in your hero phase, roll a die for every enemy model within seven inches of the great unclean one. On a six, that that model takes a mortal wound. So on single wound models, it's lethal. On a six, on uh, multi wound models, it just takes a wound. And those are the guys you want to get close to kill it. So that's you know that's how that works. Now, um, this basically and so here's the big bonus, and it's all to the great unclean one. He can poison things around it. Uh, this battalion's great unclean one has a save characteristic of two plus instead of four plus. However, against attacks that have a to wound characteristics of two or three plus, then it's only a three up save. So basically, yeah. you throw all that stuff in there, and your great unclean one has a two up save. Unless their to wound is really good, then it's got a three up save. And it's like, okay, I mean, that's really specific to what you saw. In the game, and I mean, I don't even know how great that is, unless 
you know, you've got everything riding on your great unclean one. Yeah, it's it's not super. And again, it's some of these are great, some of these are not. The one storm, there's a uh, stormcast one where it's at the start of the hero phase. Um, if a unit of adjudicators is within X many inches of a unit of liberators, the adjudicators can shoot for free. And if anybody knows judicator shooting, it's not exactly the most fun thing to deal with. Um, or there's one where you're actually throwing the storm callers. Right. You get to shoot with your primes in the hero phase. And after they shoot, whatever they shot at, note they don't need to hit, whatever they shot at, you can teleport in a unit of liberators or retributors or something close to where your target was. And it's like, Okay, I mean, do you really need to do that? Does that have to be something we have to discuss? I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome. Right. But it doesn't contribute to the story that we're trying to tell, which is the story of the All Gates and all of that. So, I mean, it's cool. Pick it up. Um, I would strongly recommend picking up this book anyway. But Oh, sure. No, you can definitely definite buy. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you're playing scenarios out of this game, or scenarios out of this particular book, then yeah, sure, maybe you should use the battalions when appropriate, but it's not something that I feel we really need to cover in depth. So, No, I agree. That's so, just me. So I think we're going to probably wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, I want to remind everybody really quick, the forums are going to be gone on garagehammer.net. Uh, the forums, I mean, I've been telling everybody to go to TGA.community for a while now. The uh, GarageHammer forums are going to be gone at the end of the year. Um, if you click on the forums or if you go to garagehammer.net slash forum, it's going to redirect you to TGA.community. That's the place to go if you want to comment on the episode. That's where the episode threads are going to be. Uh, it's an awesome forum. It's all about the Grand Alliance. It's all about uh, Age of Sigmar. Um, so just go there and check that out. You definitely want to check that out. Are you signed up for that, Alex? I'm on there. I just don't post frequently. I, I don't post a lot on forums either, but I, I'm on there as well. Um, you know, I put up the show thread, and sometimes I comment on on threads too much. I do a lot of reading, though, and there's a lot of great stuff posted there. Um, yeah, there's tons of hobby motivation and oh, yeah. good content. So it's more than just like, oh, I've got a build this this and this there's it's something for everybody i think is what it is which is what this game is yeah no exactly uh other than that um folks uh if you would consider taking a look at the patreon page even a decision to be a make a small patreon pledge would huge for the show uh, right now, uh, the YouTube video space is just about ready. Um, thanks to the patrons, I was able to order and should be getting any time now our cool new giant garage hammer banner uh, to hang in the background so we don't have to hang a whole bunch of little things to cover up all the gunk and junk. We're going to have a big garage hammer uh, vinyl banner for uh, the videos and the live streaming. should get that shortly. Um, the next three YouTube videos are in the middle of either production or post-production. So those will start coming out, um, over, uh, well, I'll try to get some, some of it done over Christmas break and get that stuff out. Uh, I know it's slow, but that's only cause I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, and also we are just about there for the live streaming right now. 
uh, the way I have my setup set up, um, as I said before, I have trouble uh, if I'm trying to, to set up the live stream, getting that second uh, sound uh, audio track in. So right now, having the guest being heard as well as myself, we're having trouble with. But we're almost got it figured out, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out without having to get a second, having one computer to do Twitch and one computer to do the online, you know, uh, you know, like Skype or you know Google Hangout or whatever it is we're going to use. Uh, so I'm really close. In fact, I'm. It's right around the corner. Live streaming, and patrons, please check your messages because there is a Christmas message getting sent out to patrons by now. Um, and once again, thanks to the uh, show's associate producers, James Mackey, Ryan Taylor, and Shirley Tempel. Um, and again, thanks to you, Alex, for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, next episode, folks. First episode of the new year, as always. This was the Christmas episode. First episode of the new year will be 2016 in review. Um, me and a couple of other guys will be on and talking about uh, what we thought was the, the best stuff uh, to do with uh, not, not just Games Workshop, but you know the, our community. Uh, but mostly Games Workshop. And um, what things we thought uh, were, you know, didn't quite hit the mark. And that is all on our New Year's episode. Um, I always love the New Year's, uh, the year in review episode. It's always a fun one for me. That's about it. So, folks, until next time, until next year, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. Frank, don't mention it, Marvin. And I also want to thank all you out there for watching. Please remember the moral of tonight's show. Put your troubles away till tomorrow. If you're lucky, someone will break into your house tonight and steal them. It was a duel not just between two champions, but between two gods. Scarbrand was a facet of almighty corn, a beast of rage and fury. Fast flew his axes in wind-milling blows. Vandis stood for Sigmar and carried in his veins some of the god-king's divine spark. His warhammer glowed with celestial power, and when he spoke aloud, the lightning blessing it flared bright with the crackling energies of Azir. When he smote Scarbrand, it was the blow to end all blows. 
the sound as if a thunderclap had broken the world. That impact blasted the greater demon down. When Scarbrand rose again, his body was smoldering and rent. Impossibly, the greater demon tottered. Such a thing had never happened, not in single combat. And then Kalinax was upon him, spitting lightning and driving razor-sharp claws deep into the demon's chest. For justice, for vengeance, for Sigmar! When at last the rain of hammer blows and raking Dracoth's claws ended, Scarbrand did not rise again. Defeated and thrown down, he was cast back into the realm of chaos from whence he was exiled. His fate was either to fade to oblivion or to crawl back before the master he once betrayed. On the march to seize the blazing arc of the now-abandoned Brimfire Gate, every step the Stormcast took felt like victory. The war for the All Points had passed a critical juncture. In the heavens of Azir, the broken world span on. The Bell of Lamentations tolled heavily, but not all was grim. Loud came the sounds of revelry from Heldenhall. In Akshi, the Brimfire Gate was closed. The realm belonged to Korn, but the Blood God had suffered a major defeat. Terrible were his bellows of rage. In Gairan, the Genesis Gate was closed. Alerial's campaigns of cleansing were begun. The winds had shifted. In Shyish, the End Gate remained in Archeon's hands. In breaking his oath, Nagash had turned his back upon Sigmar once more. In Hish, it was difficult to decipher whether the war had brought victory or defeat, sorrow or rejoicing. In Gur, the Maw Gate was battered, its defenses destroyed, but it remained unclaimed. A new threat grew there. In Shaman, the Mercurial Gate remained under Archeon, his defenses unyielding. In Ulgu, the fate of the Penumbral Gate remained a mystery, for no word returned. In the Eight Points, Archeon brooded. Sigmar would pay tenfold. In the Realm of Chaos, the lands rumbled and changed, for change was inevitable. The battle for control of the mortal realms continued, while gods and demigods pondered their next moves and the Sigmarabulum rang to the hammer blows of reforging, an insidious evil was taking form, solidifying out of the pure madness that was the realm of chaos. Nine in number, the gaunt summoners hailed from the crystal labyrinth. There, the coven had created the Whisperfane, an impossible mind maze filled with deadly illusions and one of the dreaded silver towers. With a push of their unfathomable minds, the gaunt summoners could shift these twisted citadels into the reality of the mortal realms. There, many a brave warrior would be lured inside with promises of riches untold. Many entered, yet few returned. Plans within plans, plots within plots... Who can tell the end game of those cabalistic sorcerers? Their methods are insane, their goals inscrutable. Yet it is said in ancient and little understood rhymes that death becomes the smallest fear when the silver towers appear. Fear them, for they are coming.